Right then, welcome or welcome back to the Midnight Podcast, where we have super in-depth, authentic, super transparent, open conversations with an array of different entrepreneurs from many different industries. I really want to make this a podcast known for going super in-depth on loads of topics that other podcasts are scared to speak about. I feel like most stuff out there these days is just super surface level, super vanilla, and doesn't really answer the questions that viewers and listeners want to hear. So that's what we're trying to do. Keep it real and keep it raw. I'm sure you'll get a huge amount of value listening or watching the pod wherever you are. And if you do, don't forget to subscribe, recommend it to a friend, leave a like and a comment and just let us know what you think. And yeah, really hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to another episode of the pod. We've got Matt Kelly on today. Matt, Matthew, what do you prefer? I go with Matt now. Matt, okay. It seems to be my podcast name, Matt Kelly, the Midnight Pod. Matt Kelly runs the Midnight Cod, Pod, Pod, a company called Space Goods, which is psychedelic, but not yet psychedelic. We maybe will get Mushroom into that. brand of the future. Yeah. Mushroom brand of the future. Also, he's an undercover guru, so we're going to get into <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. I guess so on the side. <laughs> guru on the side. But yeah, no, mate. Pleasure to have you here, mate. Good to be here. First proper pod in Bali. I really should have booked this studio for my own because I've been doing a few here and I put one up last night and I watched it back and thought, what the fuck is that? Yeah, filmed it on iPhone. The light was all wrong. The mics weren't right because I haven't got my usual setup. But I didn't know they had this stuff in Bali. Even though I've been to Bali like five times, I just, I've never been since 2019 when I wasn't in the podcast world. Bali's the kind of place where it's like, it's kind of like London. Like you can go to London and have a shit experience. You can go to London and have the best experience. I feel like Bali's kind of like that. There's... Yeah, I think it's, it's, it comes down to who you know and, and it, like what they know about the place. Because if you came by yourself here, I mean, I've been here before, but well, I guess until I met you today, I didn't really know about the podcast places. Yeah. And now within 10 minutes, I'm like, fuck, I need to book this and redo the episode <laughs> I just did. Because <laughs> yeah. And you've got pink lights, which is very much my vibe which you rarely get i would like to say that we planned that but we did not that just no. happened to be, we can't change the colors though so yeah that's cool anyway this retention is probably terrible so <laughs> i'll get back yeah. i'll ask you a question as we we're supposed to do in a podcast um a little bit of i'd love a little bit of childhood backstory i've got a little maybe a little violin i can get out just tell me a bit about your childhood what it was like growing up what what how did how did matt kelly yeah did, do you know born? anything about my story or not I know. Why did you reach out to me? I'm interested. I know a little bit about you. Were so you I'm, follow me before or what? Uh, so I found out about you. Honestly, when like when you launched your brand, um, when you launched Space Goods, like a mate mm. of mine. Um, oh, actually, do you know a guy called Barney Charles? He had a pod. He probably, rings a, rings a he, bell. Uh, he would have reached out to you ages ago. I think mm. you may have had something set up. I don't know if you did, but he's just a mate of mine. And then yeah, that was how I heard about you. Um, and then, yeah, I saw you through the brand. So I probably like know less, maybe a bit less than some of yours. But I did yeah. watch two of your YouTube videos today to get some as to do some good due diligence well yeah i would say i'm the most transparent guy in the entrepreneurial space because I, I don't think of myself as having a personal brand at all but i guess because it's just there's no motive it's just i've started putting shit out like a year and a bit ago but i guess long very long story short um from the north of england grew up in york had a twin brother that i was constantly compared to even though with the exact opposites in every way spent years as a rower in my youth wanted to go to the olympics but then kind of fell, fell out of love with that Discovered entrepreneurship when I was maybe like 18, broadly speaking. Always used to just design logos, fictitious brands I would maybe one day launch. Launched a clothing brand when I was like 18, didn't know what the fuck I was doing. You know, like logo on a white t-shirt, everyone took the piss. Was working in Waitrose, you know, summer job, whatever, standard, hated every second of it. Put all my money from that summer job into like stock and couldn't sell anything. 
went to uni to study, ironically, business, study business at uni, did six weeks before I dropped out, then went and did a placement in central London in M&A, which is mergers and acquisitions, wearing a suit, meeting, I guess, wealthy people for the first time in my life, realizing that you didn't have to be a footballer or a celebrity to make money, because that was, looking back, probably what I thought, you know, you either get a normal job or you're a celebrity, there's no in between. And then did that for like six months, went back to uni, didn't really know what the fuck I was doing. And I was like, well, that's better than doing nothing, which it definitely is. Did advertising, ironically. Oh no, I did graphic design for a year, then switched to advertising and then dropped out again. Because at this point I'd been like playing around with loads of different e-com stuff, was in like Facebook groups. This feels like ages ago now, because it is like 2015, 16. Discovered Facebook ads in like 2016. It's like drop shipping jeans from China. And that was like the first time I was like, oh, you can actually make money doing this. And that, that started doing pretty well. I'm cutting a very long story, very short. That became like a proper clothing brand. Like we designed our own shit. I got an office in Newcastle, which is where I was at uni. My mate, Ollie got involved. He's now kind of a semi co-host on the pod and an investor in my newest business. So it's funny how it comes full circle. Sorry. That business did pretty well. I stopped going to uni, didn't tell my parents, eventually got kicked out because I just didn't submit anything, but I dropped out at that point. So that was like March, 2017. That business then like fell apart. So we just fell out and we just like, fuck it, let's just stop running it. I then, got back into like the drop shipping space. Cause I guess funnily enough, I'd started with like building a brand as opposed to drop shipping, like attempting to with my clothing brand. But then I just didn't really have much money. I was like, fuck, want to make some money online. Like don't know what I'm doing. I've already dropped out of uni. My mate's not going to leave. I need to go do my own thing. Started traveling around Europe by myself. And then very long story short again. And I've vlogged all this by the way, on my other old YouTube channel, which is linked in my pod. There's like 120 vlogs over like a two year period, oh, which is quite fun. Oh, you've been in the game on. for a while then. Yeah, I just never had any views on those. It's just really for me. <laughs> I feel you, bro. And then what happened? Yeah, then I went to some e-commerce event in Singapore in like September 2017, which I probably credit as being like the turning point where I met people doing similar shit to me because I knew literally no entrepreneurs from home, from uni, anything. I felt like an alien. Um, fast forward like the next two years, basically spent like two years being a full-time nomad, lived in Bali for a while, Australia, America, Europe, basically everywhere. Um, did a bunch of dropshipping stuff, like had like a leggings website. This was back when Facebook ads were very easy to just scale a store. It was OP back in the day. So probably doing like half a million a month at one point. So like I was honestly balling given I was like 22 at the time. Um, but you know, I didn't know anything about like investing and stuff. So I probably just wasted 90% of it to be honest on like traveling, bought a few stupid cars, even though I wasn't really living in England, like came back in between. And it was a bit of a weird setup in hindsight. Then I decided I wanted to build something more long-term because like dropshipping was getting more difficult. I wasn't passionate about selling random shit from China, even though it's a great way to start. And it's what a lot of people I would recommend they do. They don't have any money or experience. Moved to London in April, 2019, which is nearly four years ago with two other guys, Fred, who's now one of my, my best mates and runs a brand called Sanucci, which you're probably familiar with, it's massive. And another guy called Seb, who was just like hustle house spec. And I, I wanted to have a base. I was still traveling, but like I said to you before, I wanted to have somewhere to compound like networks and so on because i was a bit sick of just coming back to my parents house in between traveling and so on which is what i was doing um quick one fellas you probably heard a few months ago i dropped an e-com course a very fucking guru of me but it's not that i promise you zero to one how to start a brand from scratch with no budget some budget a bit of budget take your idea from a bedroom to reality to potentially seven eight figures in sales like i've done a few times based on my seven years of experience in the trenches and my current experience building my current brand space goods it's no bullshit no frills we've had like 75 people go through so far not a single person has asked for a refund plenty of people have actually built some seriously impressive shit covers every aspect of the business 
business, not just the front end stuff like most gurus on YouTube and Twitter are talking about, not just product market and all that shit, but the real shit, the logistics, the back end, the supply chain, the customer service, the finances as well. This covers the whole spectrum, every part, 12 hours of video. If you're interested in scaling a brand, zero to one, actually turning our idea finally into a reality, then click the link below, go check out Learn Real Commerce course and let me know what you think. I'd be glad to have you in there. Let's fucking go. Yeah, then launched a jewelry business called Midnight City, which grew super quick, grew that to like 3 million run rate in like 18 months. Um, profitable, wasn't really passionate about it. It was pretty early in like the UK men's jewelry scene. It was kind of us and then Crafted London, who are now way bigger and way more successful. If Danny's watching this, um, well done. Uh, he's probably not watching this, to be fair. But um, yeah, grew that in like 2019. Um, then launched another brand called Neon Beach, which ruined my fucking life at the very start of 2020. Bad idea running two brands, by the way, but I just thought, I, I literally had this like, idea. I wanted a neon sign, an LED neon sign to be specific for my room that was my jewelry brand logo. Couldn't find anywhere that was selling them. And being the just zero to one ideas guy, within like a, two days, I launched this brand, came up with the name, you know, source of supplier, like custom B2B signs, ran an Instagram ad, and then that business grew to like a million quid in like the first three months. It was ridiculous. Um, perfect timing with COVID. So fast forward like 2020, running two brands, e-coms booming at an all-time high. However, that's not great for a complicated B2B custom sign business. Um, we were making it in China. Ironically, because China was super slow because of COVID, so like massive demand, but supply chains were fucked. It was like two sides of the same thing. I then brought all the production from the from China to the UK. And then long story short, a factory went bankrupt on me. Like three million quid's worth of orders disappeared. Um, I was doing like one and a half million quid a month in revenue, driving a Ferrari, living in a penthouse flat. Um, things were going pretty perfectly until this business went quickly very wrong. Um, and then long story short, I had to get bailed out by investors at the very start of 2021 who bought that brand and the majority of my jewelry brand as well because of the way I'd structured it, which is fucking stupid in hindsight. Because if I'd kept them separate, I, that would have been fine because the jewelry business was like successful, no problems, clean supply chain. But running two businesses under the same company, which I've painfully learned now, it's not the way to structure things. Um, yeah, long story short, that, that that business went, Neon Beach went tits up, as everyone knows, like episode one of my pod, that was my whole angle of telling that story. So go and watch that for like the full in depth, but it was a complete horror show. Like I went from having like seven figures in the bank to the business being insolvent in like four months, which I didn't even know what that meant at the time. And like dealing with like lawyers, looking at like business bankruptcy and shit, and ultimately got bailed out by an investor, um, which I guess was fairly lucky maybe in hindsight, or maybe not lucky, but glad that happened because it was the the best of a very shit situation. I then worked with them for six months, um, sold the rest of my equity in that, of which wasn't that valuable at the end, to be honest, because the brand damage had been done, et cetera, et cetera. Um, then went back to the drawing board to start my next thing. Cause I wasn't like completely fucking homeless or anything. I was still like had a decent amount of money, a lot of experience, great connections, most importantly. Um, and then thought, well, first I started the pod, this was like September 21. So just when I decided to leave working with them and like, go back to the drawing board. They offered me like a big slice of equity, a big salary. I guess 99% of people in that position probably would have taken that. I was like, I'd rather jump off a cliff than work for someone else because I just have never done anything else. Um, and then always had ideas for new brands, et cetera, et cetera. And probably for the first time ever, I actually thought about what I was going to do next rather than just dived into it in like two days, which is probably a, a great trait to have, but also a fairly risky one at times because it wasn't that calculated necessarily in the past. 
Um, and that's when I started working on space goods, I guess. And within about two months, that went from like broad idea to, all right, fuck it, I'm actually gonna work on this, raise a bit of money from angel investors, which was largely to do with not wanting to do it myself again, because I just learned I would rather in the future have potentially half of something big that actually managed to get big because I wasn't the only one trying to do it and relying on myself as opposed to doing it myself again, which I'd done in the past. So raised a bit of money. That was pretty easy to do because like I said, I got a lot of experience, like track record. Fortunately, built a very good network, which is probably my greatest asset. All my mates are very successful entrepreneurs who make me feel very unsuccessful, which is probably the best way to be a small fish in a bigger pond rather than the other way around. Um, and then about five months from when I started working on that and like five months later, end of April, well, not this year, last year, 2022, launched the brand. Long story short, it's been like eight and a half months now, growing it to over a million in, in revenue, on track to probably do like five, six million in, in the next year based on current run rate. And now that's a very, it's a decent business again. And it's, it's quite cool to know that the previous ones weren't flukes because I probably lost my confidence a bit when shit went tits up, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I guess now it's my third seven-figure brand, um, but definitely one I'm most passionate about and, and I think could be massive. Um, so yeah, it, it feels like the stars have aligned somewhat in hindsight, like maybe all that shit was meant to happen so I could change the world with mushrooms. So I guess for like the last, like I said, eight months, and I work on the pod and, and space goods, that's what I do now. So yeah, that's like a, in a very tight nutshell, <laughs> but that's still probably like 15 minutes. That's, mate, not, I just learned a lot about you in uh, 10 minutes, as I'm sure a lot of the people listening to will as well. well mm. I, I literally had like, didn't know half of that story, man. That's, uh, it's a very intense story. Yeah, that's it's a lot. way worse than a lot of people can imagine. That's a lot that in a was. very, yeah, even just imagining like that insolvent, like going from that to insolvency in a period of four months, like what was, it was that? ludicrous. What was that like waking up or even going to bed during that period? I want to fucking kill myself for like six months, honestly. Like that's not even exaggerating. And, and, and I, I say that sounds flippant because I confidently say that because that's just the reality. And when you're not in that place, it sounds kind of flippant. But at the time, that's how I felt. Because yeah. I felt like I went from, certainly from an outside perspective, probably looking like I had the perfect life because I'd had four very good years of every year. And there's always problems, but I'd never experienced a problem on that scale. And when I say like, I don't know of any e-com story ever that's more horrific than, than that. Like people literally say to me, it's like legendary. It's like folklore at this point. Um, like literally I had the Daily Mail at my door trying to write articles on me calling me a fraudster. That's how bad this got. Yep. And I had a deal with ITV, Love Island. This was like peak Q4. So we were on TV, primetime advertising. That's, I had like investment funds wanting to put money in all this shit. So I went from thinking this is the biggest thing ever, which I still think it could be actually massive that market and it's a bit of a shame what happened. But yeah, it went from like, fuck, everything's going amazingly. Two brands, completely self-made. And obviously I worked very hard on to build all that. But yeah, it was a, very tough lesson i guess that things can change very quick and in hindsight that business wasn't built on the best foundations because it's a very complicated supply chain you know you're making stuff to order so ultimately it's drop shipping but it is by definition because they're custom b2b things massive aov which doesn't help either because people spend 500 quid on a sign and it doesn't show up it's not like some 20 quid ring and especially when it's you know largely outside my control um but yeah it was a very messy period very very messy um and it was like it was probably the, the social media hate combined with the fact the business was going under that I'd never dealt with because I'm not I wasn't in the public eye at all before I mean I'm still not now massively but yeah like people you know you're ultimately people can find out who's behind something and then they get the wrong idea of something there's like Facebook groups dedicated to my demise it was fucking rough 
um probably for like maybe three to six months peak like shitstorm and then ultimately yeah because the business wasn't a scam i got bought you know bailed out by investors who saw potential in it and obviously liked what i'd built to that point um i guess they were investing in me and since then the founder of that is invested in my new thing and so on and whatever silver linings but yeah that was pretty, pretty intense how do you how do you look at yourself now as this version who's been through that that whole period versus before like what are the differences in that pre and post that definitely way wiser yeah like way wiser because i don't know anyone that's been through that much shit at my age certainly like other than health problems or whatever i don't think you can get get much worse as like a 25 year old at the time because that, that was like peak shit um and like i said people do go through worse like terminal illness whatever but in terms of business that was very fucking rough especially because i had no one around me i was the sole director didn't have anyone of any experience helping me like, it was literally a case of, like, i was googling like what the fuck do i do like that's how raw it was but yeah now i just feel like nothing can really stress me like almost like david goggins like can't hurt me in a way because i don't think it gets much worse than that and then like around that time like, i ended up breaking up my ex-girlfriend and all this shit and it was just a rough fucking period but yeah i don't really recognize myself looking back because i feel like i went from super confident like winner in my mind to like a year of feeling like a fucking piece of shit and then gradually having to chip away to build back up but maybe the the newer version is a better version than originally but i definitely have a lot of scars from that period that i probably need a fucking therapist to unwrap because yeah i reckon i still have like ptse to an extent honestly yeah no, it's like, so it's like Tyson says, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in, punched in yeah. the face, right? I think it's, yeah, I don't know many people who've experienced it on that scale, but I think, I think humility is like one of the most important business skills or like being able to like bypass your ego. Because I think when you make decisions, if there's any amount of ego involved in it, a lot of the time, that's probably not the best decision. And I think having that and then also good people around you who can probably like check for you and give you good advice must just be like the perfect combo now. Yeah, I mean, I was very fortunate back then. I was, I was still like living with living with my mates, running similar scale businesses. Granted, they hadn't gone through that shit, but at least I could speak to them about it. Um, and then, like, even in the past year, I've like met a lot of people that through sharing that story on the pod, like I've met two guys I've referenced before, like now investors in the brand, like mentors to me. And yeah, I think definitely sharing that story has been very beneficial like I, 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 and I did, the reason i made the first pod was because i just needed to fucking speak about it because in a way i wanted to like clear my name to just clear up any fucking rumors or whatever about what happened but then it resonated with so many people i was really scared to put that out because it's 90 minutes of me just basically talking shit about myself but then you know that's so rare these days that i think a lot of people just found it very refreshing and because maybe i'd have this perception online like posting pictures of fancy cars and shit which I'd, I'd earned and deserved definitely because it was all self-made didn't have any money from parents or whatever and i'd worked my face off for like five years but i think you know natural tendency is people just think oh that guy's got lucky or he has it perfect so when i came out and said actually everything went fucking wrong yeah i think people relate to that i guess Even if they've never been through it they're just you know the human condition is and, and life is, is not all fucking rainbows and sunshine it's free therapy, really. Like yeah, therapy. exactly. That's why I started doing yeah. it, really, talking about it. Yeah. So, and then, um, so you launched, so you went through all that, came out the other side, probably a bit wiser, probably a bit stronger, can deal with a lot more stuff. What I find interesting is how that, so I think most people are scared to like share this 
like skeletons in their closets, right? Most people don't even have that many skeletons in their closet by yeah. the time they're 25, let alone 65, right? But you did. And then now some of those people are your investors or like business partners or may have bought stuff from you. Yeah. So like talk, talk about that a little bit because I think that is like the complete opposite of what anyone would have imagined would happen, like sharing that. Yeah, I think like, at the end of the day, like the truth prevails. Like if I, because the whole narrative with like the Daily Mail and shit was there was an army of people online that thought I was a, a scam artist and kind of, I can see why. You know, there's a picture of me sat next to a Ferrari, <laughs> two million quid of orders have disappeared when it was the absolute opposite of the truth. And obviously that was proven in the fact that, you know, the business still exists. Everyone got their money back, all that shit. I basically ended up having to give up the business to refund people. That's That was the cost of that. It's all the money these investors put in, paid back everyone. That was the right thing to do. I could have just shot my laptop and fucked off to Bali. Probably wouldn't. I was going to ask. Wouldn't have my integrity intact. But yeah, because you could have, have just gone that. bankrupt, probably right, or yeah. like insolv filed for insolvency, paid like someone five k to be like, yeah, company's closed. Like, yeah, exactly. You, what were those like? What were the was that basically the other option? Were there any other? Well, I wanted options? I wanted to save the brand basically, and, yeah. and that's what I did. So I had multiple people funds I could have worked with, but yeah, that that was a process in itself, which I learned a lot. Definitely. Um, what was the question? I'm fucking going on a tangent. It was basically like you chose to like essentially like save it but you could have yeah yeah so, so the reason road, right? that was the reason I, I think the story came out well and people related to it was because like i said firstly it was true um you know people might have been talking shit online or whatever but the facts are the facts like that's what happened everything got sorted out um and yeah just by sharing my story i think you know you, you can lose money or whatever you can but if you if you do the right thing ultimately keep your integrity intact you have good intentions you're probably not going to lose much else. Um, you know, there's stories of actual scam artists and so on, which kind of pissed me off that maybe have got away with a lot more and made, and made a lot of money out of things, whereas I lost a lot of money and people still call me a scam artist. But those people, you know, their reputation isn't intact. And I can think of a few now that I won't name. You know, a lot are in like the Forex space and so on. Um, there's been a lot of scandals that have come out of that, especially in crypto as well in the past year or two. Logan Paul being one recently, which I don't know if that's true or not, but you get the idea. Whereas for me, it was like, what I said was true. I wasn't a fucking fraudster. Um, and yeah, I think that's refreshing for people to he hear about. So I think it brought me a lot of trust from people that watched my shit. And obviously, I think someone that's been through a lot of shit is probably more investable and more backable than someone who hasn't. Because anyone can fucking, well, not anyone, but it's a lot easier to run a business when it's going well. Like, take away 90% of that and see how well most people survive. Probably not, probably not that well. I think it's about who you attract as well, right? Because a big thing that I always say is like, basically who you are is who you attract, right? It's like, I, ha I have a lot of different ways of saying that, but the type, like I'd love to know like, who are the types of investors you've attracted, right? Because they're probably gonna resonate with you and going through that, as opposed to if things were going well and you, you'd probably get so many offers for people just wanting to jump on the train, mm. but they might be a totally different type of investor. Like what are the, what are they? Yeah, like these like, so guys every, like? everyone that invested in the business, just angels. So like e either my mates or people that I, I came to become friends with through the pod. Um, a few of the main ones are like guys in their thirties that have built and sold businesses. And, and I think people like that in that position want to back the, like the next generation of entrepreneurs. So obviously you have to have a good business and be credible. But I think having that story, like that there's so much just in the world just fluff and people saying how perfect everything is and like linkedin fucking virtue signaling bullshit twitter is even worse and, and instagram so i think you know if you just 
and, and also like the actual vehicle of the podcast. So like two two investors, for example, Jimmy and Alex, who might be watching this, I literally met them for the first time. Or the, Jimmy was the second time, but I met Alex for the first time on the pod. We spent two hours together speaking about his story, my story, drinking wine. Like you, you, you build a, you can get a relationship with someone pretty quickly by doing that. Um, I think just talking about bad shit just makes people relate to you a bit more because it's so unfiltered. Particularly if you're English. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. No, you actually, I um, your videos on like documenting your journey inspired. Yeah, so I do that on the side now as well. That, like that's, separate series. that inspired me though because I was like doing my content. Like, I only got into like online, like being online, like last last year now. Yeah, and then I was literally like seeing what guys like you were doing, just fully just fucking sharing it unfiltered. And I was literally like, yeah, oh, I, I was literally nothing I've not said probably. Yeah, I, I think that's Which amazing. May come back to bite me, but I just think in my mind it's like because I, I put a video out recently about my fucking struggles of mental health throughout my whole life probably the most honest video i've ever made it was like 50 minutes long and naturally those things get the most views because people are like oh fuck but so i have like the pod and then have the document the journey so the idea with the document the journey is a weekly video whatever the fuck's going on in the business hopefully from now until 100 million pound business in five years time so if anything like if no one watches that i don't care it's for me yeah. but then the only way to do it is to be completely honest so sometimes i've People probably say like I look like I'm really moody sometimes doing that, but that's just like I'm not putting on a front at all. Like probably th those videos even more than a pod is where I'm super honest. It's just me, and like a bit of me has thought in the past. Space Goods, SpaceGoods.com, Rainbow Dust Version One, my newest entrepreneurial ecom brand venture. I spent six months in the trenches building this shit from scratch. We launched six weeks ago. What's it all about? The next generation wellness brand with a long-term vision to essentially consumerize the pending psychedelic consumer goods market, which might sound absolutely ridiculous. We're not quite there yet. The market's massively illegal. But what is this? Rainbow Dust version one is an all-in-one mushroom and adaptogenic blend designed to unlock your supernatural self. Essentially, experience a sharper focus, sustained energy, zen-like calm throughout the day. It's an all-in-one powder. Tastes like fucking hot chocolate. Tastes delicious. Works great. Looks great. Feels amazing. Essentially, the broader concept here was to legally imitate a psychedelic microdose and, like I said, experience those symptoms. You can mix it with anything, brownies, bake brownies with it, mix it with your coffee, have it without coffee, replace your coffee, put it into a protein shake. It's super fucking versatile. It tastes great. It replaced the stack of supplements I was previously taking, but you need to try this shit. It would definitely change the way you work, get you into that deep workflow. I obviously think that myself, plenty of a thousand plus first customers think the exact same shit. It's not just a pretty packaging. It actually works really fucking well. Keto, vegan, all that good shit. Trust me, you need to try it for yourself. Let's scale the shit to the moon. Spacegoods.com. Get on your Rainbow Dust subscription and see how you fucking feel. Let's do it for the boys. Spacegoods.com. Like, oh, should I not say certain things? Because, like, two sides. Firstly, maybe a potential investor in the future might see it and think I'm unstable or whatever if I don't look like everything's perfect. But then they're going to find out anyway. So fuck it, I'll just say it. And then it wouldn't be real otherwise. But then the other part of me is like the other, the flip side of putting stuff online. A bit of me has honestly thought in the past, oh, like, is some girl that I like going to fucking watch that and think he's not some alpha G? But then they're going to find out anyway. Yeah. All these guys pretending. I think there's a real pandemic of like, I'm a G, like alpha men bullshit on like Twitter. And the whole, I don't know if you're on Twitter a lot, but it's kind of, I spend more time there than like Instagram and so on. And there's so many examples of people that they portray this whole like, oh, I'm fucking like this top G, like the whole Andrew Tate narrative. Yeah. But then the reality is they're very crying to their fucking ex-girlfriend like the night before. They're just not posting that shit. Yeah. But then I, I'm just a pretty like, deep philosophical character anyway so not everyone's like that but the long and short of it is yeah like i'd rather just be honest because at the end of the day if you're putting up a front someone's going to find out who you really are anyway
whether that's an investor, a friend, a girl. So if you're just yourself, you're either going to scare off certain people or you're going to attract the right sort of people. 100%. So you may as well just be yourself because yeah. you don't have to keep up some narrative. 100%. Yeah, no, I agree. I completely agree. Like even for me, I've, I've had the same thoughts. And when I like, I had a similar kind of story, but not on as big of a scale where basically a couple of years ago, marketing agency was at the height. And then I was literally just fucking scared, shitless, nervous. I'd lose it all. One day lost half of it and crashed and burned. I was like going through just mental torture for like months. Mm -hmm. That led me on more of like a spiritual journey. And that was where I like found just like peace basically amongst the storm and just to be able to like manage my own state that was like the only way i was like i got to a point where i was like fuck it i'm just gonna try this i tried everything else and then when i shared that i started sharing it online not for really any any main, main intention but just this is what helped mm. that was when like i attracted my like current girlfriend who is like completely aligned to that Bef whereas before it's like the girls who i would be with were like let's just say that had less substance yeah that, that was what it's i just portrayed. like surface level shit yeah so it's mm. so it's like it works at all levels a hundred like you know I, I completely yeah i completely see it yeah um what what kind of uh what kind of girl are you looking to uh bring into your life i'm not looking for one but i'm just i mean i'm a very yeah. romantic character yeah no, that's because i'm a bit like that as well so that's why i kind of asked you know i just i mean like i mentioned before like a lot of people that watch the pod will know the story with this but like i literally hired this girl i'm not gonna speak about her specifically but like i hired this girl to be in a movie because that's a, it being my brand movie but where we launched and that's like another girl in the second one and shit but I don't know. I probably over romanticize things to a problematic extent to the point where like I know what I visually like, which is like tanned brunette, kind of like this whole aesthetic that I just imagine that like, we're driving in a convertible Ferrari together. Like I, my pinned tweet actually is about this. Like my whole creative aesthetic is all just about like being like the 1980s driving a convertible Ferrari with like a brunette girl, and it, it's like the whole like movie scene from like the 80s and shit. It's that whole vibe. So I'm very into that, but then I, so yeah, that's the sort of girl I visually like, but I end up just over romanticizing things. And when the reality is no one is perfect. And, and often, oftentimes if you, at least for me, I've like given someone too much credit because they look a certain way when actually there's no substance beyond that. Yeah. And like yeah. granted it might work in a movie, but life isn't a movie all the time, even though I wish it was. So I'm not searching for anyone, but I, I'm just, I'm very all or nothing. Either don't give a shit about anything or, or a girl, whatever or i'm very invested and it's like yeah a r romantic state of whatever there's no in between yeah and it's the same way i think about like things i'm into like working on a brand or whatever and like even with like running if i'm gonna start running i want to do the fastest marathon i'm not just gonna run twice a week where do you think that mindset comes from like the on off switch don't know like, i definitely get like the the kind of physical side of it from when i spent years rowing uh, that was just like brutal training and so on um, I just, I've always hated the idea of being normal or average. Not that there's anything wrong with that whatsoever, but I've always been like, I would hate to be average, but whatever that is financially, physically, you know, wh where you live, the way your life looks statistically, I don't know. I've always what? felt like I have something so, to prove. So I've, I've, always, I've had that big fear as well. Like my big fear when I was in uni and like I saw all my mates applying for jobs in finance, I did economics. That yeah. was, that was the route. grad schemes. Yeah. PWC. And I saw these guys who were way smarter than me mm. getting rejected from these like Goldman Sachs, etc. And I was like, well, fuck, what am I going to do? Cause these guys are like cleverer than me, like intellectually yeah. wise. So I was like, fuck that. I'm like, that was when I started my like agency, which I still have now. Right. So that I was driven by that fear, but I feel like at a certain point, at least for me, like I didn't want to be driven by fear anymore. 
because that fear ultimately which has probably come from fear of not being enough or not feeling worthy right those deeper fears that you talk to a psychologist or a mm. therapist about like do you think that that is a sustainable source because you've got guys like alex hormozy who will say famously you know one of the biggest drivers of successful entrepreneurs is not feeling like they're good enough there's like impulse control and these other things but then it's like well do you want to live a life that way forever being driven by that yeah, I mean, I'm definitely driven by like hate rather than love. Like, like Andy Fasella <laughs> speaks about it. I've, I've always just had a chip on my shoulder. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't have anything to prove to the same extent like I did when I was younger. It's probably why I bought like fancy cars and shit to tell people at school like, yeah, I actually did it or whatever. But you know, those people aren't even watching anymore. Or maybe they are, but I'm sure they've got on with their lives. Do you lives care so what like, they think though? Not anymore, no. I probably, I probably always feel like I have some artificial enemy, like someone to prove whether that's a girl that's pissed me off in the past, which it probably is right now. Or like, I don't know, someone that said I couldn't do something or whatever. But then, yeah, I'd say ultimately I'm just driven by freedom. That, that's what it's always been from day one. Like, I'm not even, I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, and I've been accused by my parents of chasing money. And I find that so ironic because the guy that does the grad scheme is chasing money way more than me. I sell pink fucking mushroom powder on the internet. That's not chasing money. That's chasing like creative freedom. And if you and you need to make money to do that. So yeah, like let's just have a, an honest conversation. It is important, but... Yeah, I think a lot of entrepreneurs get misunderstood by the general public, you know, whether that's the 99%, whatever the fuck you want to call it flippantly. But yeah, I'm just driven by freedom. The idea that I can at least do what I want, where I want. And I do want to make a lot of money as well, because that ultimately means the business is bigger and I'm having a bigger impact, which I want to do. What, um, but, what, when, when did you feel the most free in your life? Probably in like 2018 when I first started doing the Nomad thing and everything was new. That's probably the happiest I've ever felt because that, that was like when life was, I don't know, I was a bit younger and everything was super exciting because I'd never done it before. I remember coming to Bali for the first time in like March 2018 and I was amazed. I'd never been to Asia before. And I've been to Thailand before, but just even going to Thailand the first time, I was like, wow. Even though I went on an economy flight, whereas now I just buy a business, it's on points or whatever. But like it, it, it never feels the same as the first time. So that's probably when I felt most free. And so, like, when you so now you're in Bali, we're filming this in Bali. How's mm. it? How's it feel different compared to that first time you're in Bali? Maybe like less exciting, but also better. Cause I know a lot more people, have a lot more context on things. Yeah, I don't know. Like, y you can only get that like newness from something once. Do you know what I mean? You eventually run out of newness. I actually disagree. Do you think? I think it's a perspective. Maybe. I think it's hard to do. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying most people do that. But I think it's literally a choice whether you want to experience that, whether you want to experience that like, whoa, that awe, you know? Yeah. I think we we naturally seek novelty as humans. Like we want the new thing, right? It's why like throwing a Facebook ad and you got a new angle and it's yeah. like slightly different. Like everyone loves it because we always want the new thing. But I think the reality is it's like nothing's really new except chat GPT. That's pretty new. Yeah, that's old now as well. <laughs> that's true. Does that affect your business? Does that will affect your what ChatGPT? Yeah, I feel like I've it's played around with it. I'm not one of these like wizards that just has already automated their entire fucking <laughs> business with a new software, but it's pretty cool. You tried it to like write landing pages or I haven't like actually that. tried that yet. I I need to do more of that shit. I need to be more innovative. Waste less time doing shit manually. I don't know. It sounds like that's one of your biggest strengths. Is the is your like creative innovation? I'm definitely yeah, creative yeah. first. Like I actually don't yeah. really like running a business. I'll be honest. I've just yeah. worked out you know, how to do shit, like logistics, supply chain, dealing with suppliers, whatever it is, 
hiring people. So it's not like that. I'm not. I don't want to be a CEO or anything. That's bullshit. the gap. Then you're off air. You were saying like you can do the zero to one like that, but then it's the one to a hundred. Yeah, that's, that's I really, I really the need gap, to hire right? someone like an operator CEO. So I'm, I'm definitely. I'm very good at ideas and coming up with something from nothing, like the alchemy of entrepreneurship. But I definitely have got less inspired the second stuff's got like, ah, oh, it's just like a business now. It's kind of the same shit every day. Yeah. Stuff takes months. Oh, uh, do you know what I mean? It's, it's, so I'm very aware of that now. So that's why I've got advice around me and so on. I haven't yet got someone to like run the business properly. That's actually what I want to do in the next few months. Hire someone to do that and like align them with incentives and so on. Yeah. But there's probably someone yeah. literally listening to this or your podcast right. That's exactly like the guy who's doing mine. He's just, he's literally shadowing me on everything. He'll be yeah. running the whole thing in a few months. And it's like, he literally found me through online. It was actually a fucking video. Yeah, well, I've had people literally I message bet. me on Twitter about this. Guys yeah. that have been CEOs of big brands and so on. I think one or two of them just wanted too much money, but we can talk <laughs> about that. So, yeah. I, I definitely, slide, I, into I need that person. slide into his inbox. Because I just like making movies and coming up with products and shit. I, I think I'm very, very, very good at that. Like, probably better than most people that specifically get hired for that. Because it's, it's all I've ever done. And I've done it from like a commercial angle. I need, I actually understand the wider workings of how to build a product and a brand and so on. Still loads to learn, but I don't enjoy the the admin of running a business a lot of times, I'm honest. Yeah, and it just but becomes I more know admin. It's a necessary evil, of course. It just you just start doing more and more admin, the more successful you get though. That's the problem. Like, yeah, you yeah like you start doing the fun shit and then eventually not I'm not doing the fun shit anymore. I'm just looking yeah. at like finance and shit and supply chain all this bullshit which is very important but it doesn't get me out of bed <laughs> yeah so how do you see it when it's like at 100 million what does that look like the day -to -day? well ultimately my, my vision like firstly for this is i, I want to build a d2c psilocybin brand i believe psychedelics are the next cbd is kind of how i put it i think i'm absolutely convinced that like microdosing and all that can change people's mental health for the better it certainly helped me I don't believe in like antidepressants and so on. I think we've got an epidemic of people jumping on pills before they try anything else, like going to the gym, ice baths, whatever it is. And I used to be on like, antidepressants when I was like 18, never got on with it. And I'm like diagnosed as being bipolar, all this shit. Like I don't really fucking, I speak about that, like my video and shit. I don't take any medication for that. I, like refuse to, you know, loads of people are dealing with different shit. And I, I just think, especially in the UK or like Western culture broadly has just jumped on the wrong fixes for things a lot. And, and, I, and I just believe, I just feel like I know in my gut that just psychedelics and particularly psilocybin and microdosing, you know, in a therapeutic sense, not just tripping out your ass all the time, can be very good for people. And, and I think there's obviously legislation change happening in like Colorado, legal in Amsterdam and so on. It's a very gray area. You can't sell DC psilocybin yet, but that's always been my vision. And, and the first step is to build a legal alternative which is what rainbow dust is. That was my angle when I created that product. Obviously it's not quite the same as microdosing, but you know, lion's mane, chaga, all that shit. Like mushrooms on the whole, are definitely, it's, it's a trend right now, but psychedelics specifically, because a lot of people get magic mushrooms and just mushrooms mixed up. I find that, you know, by spending loads of money on Instagram ads, all the comments we get, are these magic mushrooms, blah, blah, blah. It's because the brand is intentionally indicative of something a bit naughty because it's pink packaging. It's called rainbow dust instead of mushroom coffee which is super boring by the way. And also just, even if psychedelics never happens, I just see this being like a Huel or an Athletic Greens. And just like broadly as a wellness brand, supplement brand, everything on the market is gray, black, brown, white packaging, it's so boring. Yeah. Coffee, mushroom coffee, like collagen pills, or all this bullshit. 
I just wanted to do it completely different, turn on its head. It looks the opposite to everything else, although I'm sure there'll be a, a million and one copycats very soon. You know, the packaging's beautiful, in my opinion. And yeah, this was really just me indulging my creative interest, but also combining it with a market that I think is very, very, very hot and is coming and is early, particularly in the UK. And also it's something with a longer term mission, which is like, I think important to be able to work on something long term. So I guess right now we're ultimately a supplement business, but long term, I, I really would like to think this can be a, a psychedelics business. Um, but it's probably years off, to be honest, but this is the first step. Where do you think uh, would be the first place that you can sell to, if you have to guess? Probably somewhere like Canada. I mean, there's brands selling like actual psilocybin in Canada, like D2C now, but it's all like Bitcoin payment. Okay. It's like a very gray area. Um, I, I think like selling, for example, a psilocybin rainbow dust, like a true psychedelic version, I can't see that happening in the UK for at least like three years plus. I, mean, I, don't, I don't even know. I would like to do like a trial run of something in a legal place, but... Jeez, I haven't even started looking at the logistics of that. So you could make it pretty easily, but it, then it's like, is it made in a legal place? We're a UK company, so is that allowed? I don't know. Oh, you're a but, UK company? Yeah, okay. at least for now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. when you move into you, Dubai. You pay, you pay VAT bills and then you realise everyone's moving to Dubai for a yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah, exactly, bro. So, yeah. Um, um, do you still, you got a tattoo recently? No, it's fake. Oh, you got a fake tattoo. So it was it was the it was the psilocybin chemical symbol. Yeah, I thought I recognised because I it's I'm, sick. I messaged so you. Christian Angamir is some billionaire investor. Okay. That I really want to get his attention. So I, I should have fuck. I need to send him a picture actually because he's got one. He's oh, got that okay. tattoo on his arm. Do, do you know why I recognised it right? Because I've got this tattoo recently, right? And this was like I'm got any tattoos. This was my first one. I'm tempted. Oh, bro! Th if if, th if I've got a guy, he like literally like he's the most like line art spec he's like he like i didn't even know what i was getting going in like he's he, he like does like but he's like one of the best in the world he does like billionaires like what design is that it's not a design that's just made up he literally like creates it like i've got my like this is my only thing here is iser which means internal state equals external reality that's like the thing i'm like people know me for but yeah. like the rest of it but anyway the reason i was i say it is because i was gonna get the ayahuasca symbol looks similar to that oh, yeah. and he was like what do you think of this yeah someone messaged me that saying is that dmt yeah that's what i thought it was when i when i saw that was me probably mate it was probably me it or might maybe, have been. i don't know i was it's uh, just an inkbox tattoo inkbox is a sick brand it's okay. like temporary tattoos i mean it's genius actually i wish i started that business when what are you gonna get for your first tattoo i don't know i probably get something like that I, i've never got one up to this point people always say they look at me and they think you look like someone that has tattoos <laughs> yeah but i was always very self-aware that i would change my mind within about a month as I have with many That's other why things. you just get someone to do it or you don't know what it's going to be. I'm not it? risking that. But I would get something I'll show you small, his tattoos. Like you'll, you'll change your mind when you see what he does. Yeah, i like get something meaningful. Something meaningful. Like, I wouldn't just get like some fucking tribal thing like a lot of people have. Yeah. I think that looks shit. Yeah. I like small like line art stuff. So I, think I just need to pull the trigger at some point and just commit to it. I was always scared of it. I've also got a needle phobia, so that doesn't help. Yeah, same. I hate injections and so yeah, on. Yeah, bro. I literally, I told him, I was like, I'm probably going to pass out. And he was like, you'll be fine. I was like, three seconds. Is that actually sore? For the first, like, bit, it, it was it was painful. Like, I don't know why people say it's not. Maybe I'm just a little bitch. I don't yeah. know. But I was like, it hurts. Like, it definitely hurts. Uh, but then, like, once I, like, just sort of, like, got used to it, it was fine. Yeah. But it took, like, five hours. And it was like with a fine needle. So like it's apparently it hurts more when it's with like a super fine needle. I don't know. Interesting. But it, was, but it was good. Like it was a great experience. And now like, you know, everyone says once you get your first one, 
you don't want to get yeah. anywhere. Like I was like, mates that have gone like full sleeve after one tiny thing. Yeah, I was like, that won't be me. And then as soon as I'm done, I'm like, oh fuck, he's like, he's like, you could bring it around here. Yeah, yeah. The only problem is it's seven grand a day to work with this guy. So I'm like, well, but after a day, yeah, is that yeah. standard price? No, 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 no. He's probably like, 10 I, I definitely think rate. that's one of probably the most obvious things in life to spend more money on no do not cheap out on a tattoo bro that's exactly why it's gonna it, be there forever exactly that's the thing he was in bali for two weeks i was like and i knew him and i was like he's got like half a million on instagram i was like i messaged oh, him shit. yeah he's yeah. like one of the best in the world and i messaged him didn't reply five a week later i get an email from an assistant being like this is the date he's available this is the prices do you want it yes or no i was just like take my buddy i'm there yeah. traveled up to how him. long did that take it took like i was i was with him for the whole day we ended up just like really chilling Sounds like 7k yeah what pounds Yours. Yeah, it's a lot to be fair, but it's definitely Yours. worth investing in. Oh, I mean, to me, it's like, if you're going to get something like that, like work with the best, but one of the best yeah. in the world. Because even if one line was wrong, yeah. you'd wish you'd paid Yeah, he adjusted like the placement like five times before doing it. Like these micro adjustments, I myself would never even realize. But now like I see it, I'm like, oh yeah, the way it flows with the arm and all these different things, you just never fucking realize until you yeah. work with. I just like working with the best people in whatever I do. Yeah. I just think it's cool just to meet people who are like, who mm. are just the best whatever it is they do you can be a, like a apple picker but if you're like yeah. the best one in the world like you're probably going to be interesting in some yeah some exactly that's I mean? very true all right I, I, ma I made questions so i'm going to see what else i uh maybe i should get one while i'm here then i keep putting it off but when's the right time going to come <sighs> well actually there is another really good artist coming here so i can link you up with him my mate's actually getting one by music i'll show you his work after yeah he's one good um okay so oh yeah let's talk about traveling versus mm. working from a base so you're currently traveling um i've done it all tried all the different ways of doing it i feel like i feel like you'll never just be one way or the other i feel like you always do both like what are your thoughts on travel like traveling yeah, I mean, versus i've done the whole nomad thing where you literally don't have a base other than like my parents house where i came back to like once every three months which isn't ideal that was when i was younger then i've had a base in london ever since april 2019 I think having a base is useful, um, like HQ, whatever, like story shit there. And then I've traveled probably on average, like I say traveled, like I've probably been away like nine or 10 times a year, at least for like the past, so almost once a month, for like the past three, four years, even during COVID. Like this year, I felt like I was in London loads, but I've still been away like nine times. When I say go away, that counts like a week in Marbella or whatever, but I'm always bringing my laptop with me. And people have said, people commented on my YouTube video actually because I spoke about this, saying, when you go away, you should just not work. And that's fine. I get that. That's like a holiday. But the reason I'm, I'm able to go where I want, when I want, is because I'm working. Do you know what I mean? If I just didn't work and ever, nothing would get done. And then I did that, that for a year. very sustainable. I did that for a year. I also don't want to do that. Didn't what, go very what well. would you do at 11 a.m. on a Monday if you just weren't working? Well, it's, it's like. Would people just go to the beach or what? Like, I'd get bored of that for about 10 minutes. I, th I think it's like a lot of people think that once you start making money, you'll then like live the life, but then it's not actually a fun life. Or a yeah, it's always a process. I, th I think like particularly it's a man thing. It's like a masculinity thing. Like if you're actually like living as a man naturally lives, you want to be working, building on yeah, something. Yeah, go and hunt, like build something. Yeah. It's also super unattractive. I like speak to women all the time. I like ask them because they say, oh, I want to spend all this time with you. It's like you don't really, because if yeah. you did, if we like did, the idea of I've it. done that. I've done if you've done that with a girlfriend, she's like, I want to see you, I want to see you, and I'm like, all right, and then and yeah, then it ends then up flipping on each other. Head. Yeah, and then you, the attraction goes. I think I think you need to be away in that. That's why I asked if you did like any Muay Thai or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I think there was something good about just being 
humbled by being like physically attacked. Yeah, I hear a lot about which, this. I should definitely try that. It's good. There's a great place here called. You've seen Soma? Soma Maybe. here. It's like right in the center next to Ball Gym. Mm. Um, it's just it's just something about like when you're physically under threat, you can just be doing pads or whatever. Yeah. It just activates something different inside of you. It's Primal. just yeah. It really yeah. is. It really is great. It's a really good thing. You should go. You got any mates who do it? No, I see guys on Twitter doing that shit all the time. That's Twitter, probably like you, you, you need that one mate who doesn't stop going on about it. And then yeah, it's true. And eventually you try it. Yeah, I'm trying to get my mates into running. They feel like they're all fucking get fat. So, <laughs> but yeah, on the on the traveling point, I'm still trying to find that balance because part of me thought maybe like a year or two ago, I, I nearly got like an office in London and all that. And sometimes I think oh, I want to have an office and like do the whole like Gymshark style thing where you know you have a hundred people, thousand people now they've got in like an office and that's that's what i want that's more sustainable blah blah blah. but then, then other days i'll be like oh fuck it I, I just the whole point of why i started doing anything online originally is to have freedom and if i take away my own freedom by having a lease on an office and employees that have to be in one place do i really want that or, or do i want a bit of both but then it's like i'm still trying to find that balance because when i'm back home i tend to work from home like my flatmate runs a business as well it works really well but then other times I think, oh, is this a bit lonely? Should I be? And I'd go to co-work spaces like Soho Works or whatever. But then I get distracted by speaking to people. <laughs> and it's like there's pros and cons to everything. Yeah. And then when I've been out here, I thought, am I just kidding myself? And actually I'm getting nothing done? Or because I'm maybe like happier out here, because especially in the UK winter, I like enjoy the sun and shit. Does that mean actually even if I work 50% less time, I'm getting more done because I'm more switched on and so on, arguably. So... It's about figuring out what works for you. I, I still haven't yeah. figured out the perfect balance, but I think I've had a, a generally pretty good balance over the past few years. Um, I also think, like, especially in this economy, arguably, like, why the fuck would you want an office and, like, massive overheads when you can, you know, e-commerce, online stuff, you can be incredibly lean, like, leverage a lot of software and so on. So I'm still trying to figure it out. I think if you are going to travel, you should stay in a place like a month at least. Yeah. Because it takes probably a week to even get into a routine with like gym, where you're going to eat, what, you know, the place you stay in, et cetera. If I was going to be in Bali longer term, I'd probably want a, a better villa, like one that has, you know, maybe an office or, or just go to a good co-work space. I don't know, but you need to, you need to build up a routine in places. So like if I was going to pick like four places to live year round, I was speaking like this with my mate the other day, I think a good combination is like London, Dubai, Marbella, Bali. Because you, like London I like in summer. I basically yeah. only like it in summer. Yeah. Well, I say that. I do like London in general, but. It's nice in the spring. Marbella, you could do like spring. It's like nice weather. Obviously Dubai. I'm not the biggest fan of Dubai, but it's growing on me. Having been there a few times and a lot, and a lot of people that live there and trying to persuade me to like move there and shit. I can see why you'd go there in like November, December, January. And then Bali maybe fits in, maybe similar to Dubai. But, you know, I think those four places I've had to pick out the top of my head, probably like the, the best places I've lived temporarily over the past few years and ha have a good balance between like lifestyle and workability and like cost and shit. Yeah. What, what do you like about Dubai? Cause I'm, I'm not sold on it. I've been, I'm not sold on it either. Been, but I'm saying I'm maybe getting pushed What, what are the things that you I do can like see there? the appeal during winter particularly. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's like November, December, January, like dark depths of winter in the UK. I don't like the fact, I, I mean, I, I've always spoken shit about Dubai on the pod because I think okay. so many people flock there because it's become almost like a meme now. I'm moving to Dubai to save on tax and all this bullshit. Um, I like the weather. I think it's very convenient. But then I actually think Bali has almost everything Dubai has, plus a lot of other benefits, i.e. like not every girl is a hooker. 
Like, you know, I think the lifestyle here is actually better because like, there's greenery and like, whereas Dubai is just fucking desert. It's basically a desert yeah. with a load of money. That that's the thing. I was that was the one thing because I need I need like I've always been living near a park or need like a forest. Mm. I'm just that kind of guy. Like that, when I've been to Dubai, I've like hunted for green lights. Do they have parks? Do they have like, parks? Healthy and in Dubai and shit. Yeah, I've only been like three times. Okay, but I've only been once. Yeah, I've never felt as settled there. And I mean, I, I could have just not seen the right side or whatever. But I know plenty of people that live there and love it. So I'm sure yeah. it is good. But if I had to pick Dubai or Bali, it'd be Bali a million times. But there's pros and cons for everything. Like time zone wise, with the UK business, Bali's definitely harder. Yeah. Hours. But then actually, I say I got a UK business. Like all my team are remote. <laughs> And one of them's on, in fucking Hong Kong anyway. So the yeah. time zone's perfect for her here. Um, but yeah, I think Bali, I've always said to people, Bali is, if you've never done the nomad thing before, go to Changi. I think it's like the starting point. Yeah. Because it, it's very easy to meet people here as well. Even if you know no one. I think people come here to meet people. That's yeah. the thing I've noticed. Like I'll literally be at some spot. Someone with a UK accent will be like, oh, you have the same kind of voice yeah. as me. And then like, now we're going to a party yeah. together. Especially like, like Changu. Like, there are tourists, but most people are probably actually like working online and shit. Yeah. Whether they're a fucking freelancer, entrepreneur, whatever it is. But yeah, I think, I think that's what's good about it. I've met one guy with a job the whole time I've been here. Yeah. I've met, you know, met more than two people. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's wild. It's uh, and I think that makes a big difference, right? And what you talked about earlier with like network, you alluded to like, that was one of the biggest things that like, kind of positively impacted you in, so, in some way yeah like did you was that like an intention because i think that's a big thing for a lot of people like one of the big pain points as to why guys come into like my mastermind coaching program is just that they're alone and they just want to be in a community of people right yeah and that was the same for me so like did you how did you do that was that intentional did it just come as you having a lot of success you just it's literally the most people? common question i ever get yeah on the pod and on dm it's probably like five times a day it's how do i meet people and like can i meet you and all this shit and I've always joked because a lot of people now, I think networking is almost treated like this like formal scientific thing. Whereas for me, it was just getting drunk with people in Asia and then you meet them. And yeah, so it was more casual. So the f and people seem to have this strange idea I was born with a group of entrepreneur mates. I didn't know fucking anyone in the whole of England that was an entrepreneur. So that's why I went to Singapore on a one-way flight when I was like 21, went to an event, shitting myself, met a few people. And then you meet people that are on like the same level as you. And then I think as you do things, you build more credibility and have a more interesting story. And then, you know, you meet people that they know, that they know, that they know. But it's not going to happen if you sat in your mum's fucking basement. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, stereotypically. Um, and then, yeah, I've met people through other people. So I think the most important thing is first just going somewhere because it's, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's like going on a first fucking date. You'd probably be nervous, but you have to do it at some point. And then you meet other people's friends, network. And then I think probably most importantly is the fact that you're actually doing something remotely interesting. Because if you're just, I don't know, you haven't done anything ever, not much to talk about. And then just being yourself and being a decent person because no one likes hanging around with cunts. And there's probably quite a lot of them. Um, at least I don't know how to hang out with each other, to be fair. Yeah, probably. That's how it works. So get on a flight and go somewhere, basically. So I think it's just get out of your comfort zone. Yeah, you know, honestly. Right? Like, it's it's going to be uncomfortable the first time you do it. Like, that's it. Like, to be honest, I've probably got a bit lax on the whole networking thing because I feel like I've got a really good one that I've probably like stopped meeting new people, but I probably should keep doing it. Yeah. But even today, I probably part yeah. of me was like, I can't be fucked the NFL, some yeah. guy I don't know. But then you meet them and they're normally just like you. Yeah, I, I, it's, I'm, I'm like that as well. Like I, say, I say no to things all the time, but whenever yeah. I do it and it's a good group of people, I'm always glad that I did. But it depends if I'm like more naturally introverted anyway. So like I'm a bit, I prefer a little bit to be, spend time by myself. I get more energy that way. Mm. compared to being around other people which i like but 
I, if yeah. I had to choose, I'd be by myself like a bit more. So it depends what your personality type's like. Yeah. And honestly, like like I said, the best network I've actually ever done is just getting drunk. Uh, like a strategic send, I call it. Like if I can go and get <laughs> drunk with, I think I put, a, I made a definition of this. It's like if you can go and get drunk with someone of potential influence or importance, then you should probably do that. Because usually when people are drunk, they're more open. And it's a great way to meet people. Um, so yeah. Is that, is that, does that tie in with any of your Bali stories? Tie, well, for example, one of my investors I first met five years ago when he just launched his business before he sold it recently, like years before. And we were just drunk at some affiliate world thing. I think it was San Diego, some e-commerce conference. And then we didn't speak to each other for like five years. And then I messaged him and we had that context and he came on the pod. So you, you also plant seeds by meeting people ultimately, because whether that person you work together now or, or you, you don't, like maybe in years to come, there'll be a contact that is later useful. Um, that's not to say you should go go into everything with it like a a fucking initiative or whatever, but yeah, I don't know. I've, I've had some crazy like I mean, what was the most crooked one? I went to some I remember going to some e commerce thing with this guy called Nick Peroni, he's like an OG like guru in, in the Philippines for a week. That was probably like the most high risk networking thing I've ever done. We were in like Baguio City, which is like this beautiful mountain top city in the Philippines, but it's like the, the equivalent of going to like Scunthorpe in the UK in the sense that tourists <laughs> I've got go clients there. in Scunthorpe, so don't say anything about yeah, sunny, it's, sunny, it's sunny, not sunny. a tourist place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People will go to Manila yeah. or whatever, like Cebu, the islands and shit. And we were like the only, I mean, there's some very weird stories, which I'm not going to say. But yeah, it's just interesting doing shit with, there's, there's always good stories that come out of it. I've got plenty of them. I think I think you should give a little bit of that story for the people. Well, everyone's hanging on now. I'll say in summary that the weirdest thing that happened there is I ended up in the top of like a, a like a a domestic like fucking tower block, probably like the equivalent of like a council estate in Baguio City in the Philippines with like four ladyboys in a room at like four a.m. I don't know how that happened, but it did happen, and I survived. Probably not the safest thing to do, to be fair, as like a solo tourist at the time. But as in like the other guys weren't there, they were at the hotel and shit. It was weird. I've done some weird shit. <laughs> Strange niche situations that tend to crop up. There you go. For everyone asking how to network, you now have this to look back to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I had a mindset shift around this kind of stuff because I was never like a networker type guy. Just always just happened naturally. Like I had friends. I never had to put an effort to it. Right. But then I had a mindset shift, which was that actually, if you look at networking, imagine like you're spending some money on a Facebook ad for your brand. Right. Mm. You're going to expect some kind of return obviously otherwise you wouldn't do it right i think it's basically the same in networking it's like if you find someone who's interesting take them out to dinner it's like obviously they're not going to go and like give you two times the money you gave them but like the roi on that will probably be infinitely more than if you just fucking went and had dinner by yourself Mm. right so i actually think that's kind of a way to look at it like if you want to meet people it's like look at it like an investment not because you want to get something back but just an investment of being around better cooler high caliber people and like look at it like that way because then suddenly it's like oh actually it's worth doing like getting that flight to go to that conference someone might go oh you know it costs five grand or whatever for the trip that doesn't seem like a good use of money but actually it's how you met like probably some of the most influential people which led to yeah a series of different events that would never have happened if you didn't do that yeah and it's also a massive momentum thing because like it's like with anything you meet more people then you meet more people and then you know maybe build credibility in a space or whatever and then more people want to meet you it's like a flywheel yeah but you have to start and it's always feels a bit slow at the start like with anything um and then i also think putting content out helps 
but then you shouldn't put content out if you've got nothing to fucking speak about. There's way too many 19-year-old gurus yeah. that have literally never been through anything. Yeah. And it's just like embarrassing. But you can't, I think you can still do it, right? I met a guy here. Yeah, in, I think if you're documenting, I think if you're yeah. trying to give advice when you're 19, and there's probably exceptions, but that doesn't mean it's on average. And it's, yeah, just like, it's a bit embarrassing. I was in, it depends I was in, what the context is. I was in B-Work, you know, the co-working space mm. uh, a few weeks ago. And I met, I saw this guy watching an Iman Gazi video. Yeah. So I was just standing there messaging and he came back to his laptop and I was like, oh, you're right. Like, started talking to him. And he's, I think he was 19, moved to Bali to start his agency. He was doing 3K a month with his agency, yeah. right? And I watched one of his pieces of content and he showed me like, Iman sent him a picture of him watching this guy's video. Like, they didn't know each other, but he was like, just keep up the good work sort of thing, right? Yeah. And he then literally, like, like spiraled him to be like, fuck, actually, I'm going to keep just sharing what I'm doing. He's not coming from like a guru. He's just yeah, being like, no, yo, definitely. this is what I did. And then I wish when, I'd done more of that, by the way. Well, this is the thing. So just, if anything, it's nostalgic. He, he left weeks later because I invited him to some parties, some different things, and he was doing 10K a month, which was his whole series was about road to 10K a month. And he yeah. like kind of fucked himself because he did it like five, yeah. 10 times quicker than he'd expected to. But I think that's good because then it's like, and that's what I've shifted to. Like even watching some of your stuff, seeing how you document, it doesn't matter what level you're at. I think just documentation. Gary B was right all those fucking years yeah, ago. Yeah, it's true. You know, and It's not for everyone. I, I enjoy just doing it because probably part of me that still wants to be like a YouTuber, like back in the day, I wanted to be a YouTuber or whatever. I used to make music covers when I was like 17, which are never that good, but they're still there. You can go find them. But I wish I'd documented more in like the past five years. There was like a two year period where I did it. I didn't do anything for like three years. And I just wish I'd done it. Because imagine being like, I don't know, fucking Casey Neistat or whatever, or, or, or some other YouTuber that's vlogged, daily vlogged for 10 years, like on average every day or whatever. Looking back at that in 40 years time, yeah. That's like a photo album on steroids. Imagine if Steve Jobs had a vlog. Yeah, exactly. That would be like the most... Well, the next Steve Jobs probably will. Yeah. They just don't know who they are yet. That's true. So I think even if you don't po post it, just make an Instagram account that's private or whatever, just document shit. So I'm glad I'm doing it now, but I wish I'd done it more. Because even looking back at stuff six months ago, it's quite interesting. What do you learn? Do you, what do you learn when you look back about yourself? Well, probably that everything's temporary. So if something's going well... It can also go wrong, but something's gone. Something felt like it was going wrong at the time. It's probably not going wrong now. So you know, time changes things. <laughs> so yeah, I think that. But do you ever look back and think like, oh, that's actually like a good piece of advice, or that's actually like quite true, like things that you said in the past, and then you like. Yeah, sometimes I watch back my own shit, and I think I've got yeah. better at like. Also, even just watching the first pod, like my voice sounds different. I feel like I've got more more articulate with words because yeah. you practice it. And like, l look ne less nervous doing a podcast or whatever. Because when you start anything, I remember shitting myself. Yeah. But if you don't do the first one, the first thing is always the hardest, obviously. But that's the beauty of like a huge, I wish I'd just focused on content and YouTube earlier. Because, I mean, it was, we were talking about Iman before, like look at his growth in like, like, like the past year. But I think that's come because he had the, he had seven years before of making videos, yeah. which people look past. But it's like exponential. It's like most things. It like might take, ages i feel like that with my pod it's like it's felt fucking slow in the past year i just do it anyway but like i really feel like it's going to hit an inflection point i probably need to start doing it in high quality studios like this for a start instead of on my fucking iphone um like, that could be like, your that nice could be episode. your niche that could be your niche though yeah i mean it works but i just i would like to up the production quality um yeah. but yeah content is just mad because it's evergreen like you're stacking something rather you're compounding something rather than stacking it do you know what i mean like you're not starting again like every day because like 
videos from a year ago still getting views. So like, it's like this flywheel. So that's why I wish I'd started earlier, honestly, doing like YouTube properly. Um, and also like YouTube, being a YouTuber is like a legitimate career now. Yeah. Like, well, it's, like it's, we've it's, got past the point of that being like some weird shit that you take the piss out of your mates doing, which it used to be for me when I was I doing YouTube I covers. That. I remember that. But now it's almost yeah. like, if you don't have some sort of personal brand, even just like a decent, you know, Instagram for me is like a dating app, to be honest. But like Twitter is like a business tool. I don't know if you're on Twitter much, but I start. I, I didn't even know, what, I barely even knew what Twitter was like a year ago. I knew what it was, but I didn't think people used it. But now there's like the whole money Twitter corner of the internet, just like all entrepreneurs and now I've got a big following on there and like the organic reach is mad. So yeah, I think you should, that's another thing. If you're trying to network, you should definitely just have a profile, at least of who you are. Cause I'll get a DM from some anonymous account that's private. No, the fuck, I don't know who you are. There's no, not even a picture of your face. Yeah. So yeah, just have a decent social media profile. Even if you don't put content out as such. What's like, apart from networking, what are like the other biggest questions guys reach out to you and ask? probably like how to start or some shit or like what content to watch and i just say watch every single podcast and if you don't learn more than you would in uni then i'll be amazed because <laughs> yeah. that's the beauty of the internet you can literally i think there's like some saying was like we are like drowning in knowledge but starved of wisdom or some bullshit i don't know what it is but the point is like everything you need to know basically ever is on the internet yeah. it's more just about bothering to consume it rather than some mindless tiktok video which you know, it's the create or consume mindset, isn't it? If you create something, you'll probably do all right. Whereas 99% of people just consume. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, let's sort of scroll videos all day. If you just fucking either made your own video or built your own thing, instead of buying from this brand all the time, make your own brand. Because basically the world is consumers and creators and generally the, the creators are the ones that are reaping the rewards, whether that's creative freedom or money. And yeah, everyone buy, an easy example is everyone's buying shit on Amazon. Look at Jeff Bezos, he made Amazon. Obviously, that's a very niche unicorn example, but it's an easy to understand one. But that on a smaller scale. Like yeah. People building shit are no smarter than you, usually. But it's it's hard though, right? Because half of the like downside that you get from watching social media, like mental health struggles, like comparison, comes with that, right? So like, do you still experience that? Like when you look at other people, Online, it's like a big thing that a lot of guys come to me with. They'll be like, you know, what envious of? They feel like they're not, they're not winning. It's not even envy. It's just they just feel like shit because everyone around them is post. Everyone who they're following is posting this stuff. Yeah, so I remember feeling like that. And I think the first point on that is I know for a fact, and it's easier to to understand when you get a bit of experience and you realise that maybe you are one of those people that look like that, and you, and you know yourself that you're not. And like I know for a fact that there's people on Twitter, Instagram, whatever that look like they're doing this and it's all smoke and mirrors. Yeah. And not everyone knows that, cause especially when you have less context and experience, it's harder to tell what's real and fake, which is why so many people fall for like Forex course scams or whatever, cause that they see this guy that's driving the Lambo and they don't realize that it's fucking heavily financed and he's living at his mum's house and it's all facade. Not that that's the case for everyone. There are some very successful people that are legit, but because they never share, cause like even the most successful people, it's not like they're doing that shit all the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Even like, even like Iman, like he's he's working, grinding. He's working the time. Yeah, I yeah, guarantee he's, he's working harder than anyone that watches his videos. Yeah. So yeah, that's one example. So I think just bear that in mind, and you know, most of the internet smoke and mirrors, uh, particularly like Instagram. Like yeah. Twitter is a bit different, I find. But even then, 
a lot of people have a, a motive to sell you something, do you know what I mean? So especially if it's like personal brand space, like course gurus and so on. Who do you follow who actually like get value from or you like, whether it's actual learning stuff or edu- like entertainment, whatever? I think the best podcast I ever listened to, and I listen to, I don't listen to it anymore, it's MFCEO by Andy Frisella. So that was the first thing. Oh, yeah. He does the, 70, I listen, is he the 75 hog? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. I listened to all his shit when I was like younger, like 21. When, when, that, when He did MFCEO and now he has another one, which I don't listen to as much. But probably him is like where I started. I wouldn't really say I listen to that many people specifically anymore. It's more just like random shit and maybe people that I actually know that I get advice from. But I didn't have those people in my life before. So you kind of have to choose. It's like Gary Vee says, you just put like positivity in your ear. Well, not positivity, but like useful shit. Yeah. Like if you're some broke 18 year old, go and listen to David Goggins and shit and learn about working hard. And I, I like David Goggins actually. That's something I got onto a lot, especially when I started doing marathon training. It's not entrepreneurship or anything, but it's more like mindset stuff and being just a hard motherfucker, which I relate to a lot, especially because I'm driven more by like kind of hateful energy, like prove you wrong sort of shit, which I just think some people are. And I'm just aware that I am. Um, but then in terms of like entrepreneurs and stuff, yeah, probably more just people in like my actual circle that I look up to or whatever. Because um, like I said, I think as you get older and more experienced, you can be a bit more specific. Whereas when you start, you listen to Gary Vee. Yeah, because that's just like mass market, and that's definitely better to listen to than watching Love Island. So, yeah, I think as you get older, you don't listen to the mass market stuff maybe as much. Do you think being driven by that like chip will last forever, or do you think there'll come a point where like that doesn't motivate you anymore? I don't know. Yeah, I've often thought about this. Maybe when I feel like I've made it, that'll go away. But then you probably never feel like you made it because it's always a fucking carrot on the end of a stick. And the things you wanted three years ago, you now don't appreciate and you want something else. So I don't know if it'll always move and there'll be like new people that I'm comparing myself to or like new fictitious enemies in my head that I need to beat or whatever. Um, but that's that's just the way I'm driven. Um, I don't know if like one day I'll meet like some fucking spiritual woman and she'll like change the way I view the world. Maybe that's just like, that's some other fantasy in my head maybe. But no, nah, definitely for now. Like even when I go to the gym and stuff, I like, always just put like heavy shit on and I don't yeah. know, I, I like getting in that headspace. Yeah. I, I think you can have both. That's one thing I've I've gone down that whole path and like my girlfriend's super spiritual and it's like when I'm with her, yeah, I'm like living a totally different in a totally different energy. But then when I'm working or in the gym, I'm like back in that like warrior mindset. And I actually think like I've from experiencing both, I think the best answer is having both. I think you can be too much in that and I think that can lead to like burnout and that's what yeah. leads to like men for me I had like mental health struggles and stuff like that in the past and like who do you want to go to when you have like the worst fucking day or you're sick you just want to like speak to your mum right or mm. speak to your girlfriend or you don't want to speak to a guy right yeah. like you're not going to speak to your mate be like oh, I feel really bad like he's not going to give a fuck yeah <laughs> I've always struggled with that like opening up to male friends probably like one guy I speak to yeah well, I, yeah. I think it's just because most, most men don't know how to like access the feminine part of them because it's like seen as weak or vulnerability yeah. isn't good or whatever. Yeah, I completely agree. I feel like you've got a bit of that though. I can see like... Oh no, I definitely that. do. Yeah, because like, you're whole, like, like romantic side of me and shit. Yeah. But a lot of people say it's really cringe, but I just don't care. <laughs> but then yeah. I also think ironically like pretending to be like a fucking alpha g all this bullshit all the time is actually like the least masculine thing ever because you're so scared of what other people think well it's, it's like of just being if, yourself if you're so fucking... i also know that i'm a fucking that i'm not some loser as well because i've yeah. i've proven it like even with like in the gym and shit i know that i'll outwork anyone 
So that, that, that's kind of a masculine thing. But I'm also not afraid to say that I listen to fucking like 1975 songs late at night and probably think about a girl that I thought would work out and <laughs> like pink lights and that whole aesthetic. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not this guy that pretends I only listen to Drake and Future. And there is a time and place for that, and I love that shit. But I listen to, like, some corny shit. I, I like Taylor Swift as well. Do you know what I mean? Just people can't admit that. And that's because they're not... They don't know who they are enough yet, I, don't, I think. Yeah. They're, they're too scared of what people think, but... That's did just that, the world we live in. Did you... Were you always like that, or did that integration of the other side come to you later on in life? I was always like that. I probably didn't, just didn't put it out it. there as much. Yeah. Because, what? Like with YouTube and stuff, I've been very honest from day one. But then you also realize, I think you get, you get like confidence through experience and you realize actually being yourself probably attracts, like I said before, attracts the right people anyway. Whereas if you've never, I don't know, been honest online or whatever it is, and you've always put in this facade up, you maybe don't know how that's going to go down with a certain group of friends or, I don't know, if you're like in school and you don't know if the people around you, your sort of tribe or whatever, it's maybe different. But as you get older, you realize that you're going to have to be yourself anyway. Otherwise, the whole fucking brand's going to wear off at some point. You'll be exposed. I don't think a lot of people do know that, though. I think that's actually taken for granted. I'd say most people, if you ask the average guy, like, who are you? They wouldn't have a clue what to answer to that. I don't think most people do, like, know how to be themselves, to be honest. I mean, do you? Yeah, it's because I'm probably still figuring it out, but it's because you're in a fucking funnel, which is, like, not your choice from that, like, the first 18, 20 years of life, isn't it? Yeah. Like you go to school, you go to uni probably, then you get pushed into a grad scheme because that's what everyone else does. It's kind of scary really. It's like a conveyor belt and it's like the matrix or whatever, but that's kind of how it has to be. I don't have a better answer like right now for how the world should be for like the first 20 years of life because we need some system to guide people. Otherwise the world would be a bit chaotic. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I think you just, you genuinely know what you want to do. Like people deep down know what they'd rather be doing probably do you know what i mean yeah like if you're on some job you hate you probably know it's not for you but the risk is that and this is what i was kind of fortunate never to get stuck in like you go go and get a grad job say and i keep referring to that because it's like a meme at this point and then you hang around with the wrong people and then you know put your dreams off or whatever it is and before you know it, you're fucking 30 you've got a kid you've got a mortgage and the job you hate that's my idea that was always my idea of like hell same um yeah. but i never went down that route and then once you see the other side of like you can kind of do what you want as long as you're willing to work really hard and be consistent then you're never going to go back to that so I, I think i said to you before i was like how did you escape the matrix or something you were like i was never in the matrix yeah i, I wasn't because i think i knew when i was 14 or even 10 years old that i wasn't going to be normal whatever that was and then before i even finished uni i started a business and dropped out so like and then it's definitely not luck it was just following my intuition and having some balls to do it and then, I met, and then once you meet people around you that are doing similar shit, that's like signed and sealed at that point. You, you ain't going back. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because then that's all you ever know. It's all I've ever known is working for myself, quite literally. I've the, only, the last job I ever had was working at Burger Bar while I was at uni and I was running ads on my break. <laughs> so like, I also started from the fucking bottom, like most people. Um, so yeah, I've, I've never gone into like the normal world, I suppose. Yeah. I'm very aware of it though as well because I think it's important to have context on like society and not have your fucking head in the clouds and do you know what I mean? Like a lot of people, maybe especially ones that come from privileged backgrounds probably don't know what life, how tough life is for a lot of people, which is also, I think it's important to travel and see like poverty and shit. Cause it, you maintain perspective. Cause often I spoke about this on my own video recently. Like I sometimes think 
oh, like I'm, I'm pissed off because I was doing bigger numbers two years ago than I am with my brand right now, which is true. But like it's, it's incomparable as a business anyway because this is much better subscription, custom product, all that shit. And then I've got mates doing 30 million quid a year that are my age and one that's younger. But that's because I'm hanging around with 0.001% people, which I'm very fortunate enough to do, you know, at least financially, zero point whatever. But then you can't lose perspective on the fact that there's some Don down the road here or, you know, anywhere in the world that's making a pound a day and can't even eat. And like their idea of heaven would be just having the opportunity to have an internet connection. So I think it's important to maintain some perspective, which you definitely get more of by traveling and so on. It's a bit of a stereotype. Like you should see the others, like how the other half live or whatever. Because just being in like a first world country, I think you're in like the top 10% economically. Yeah. Which people don't actually realize how mad that is. If you think about that. So that doesn't mean you, you can't have problems if you're making money and shit. Of course you can. But it's a useful perspective. And, and I sometimes lose it because I've set my, the bar so high for myself. Which is definitely a blessing and a curse. Because it means I'm ambitious and whatever. And I have successful friends. But it also means that sometimes lose perspective. It's like it's pretty fortunate to be able to do your own shit and travel and so on. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. I, th I think, yeah, for me, it's like my, my dad came here from, from Africa, like lost all his businesses, had to come here with, with nothing, start again, holes in his shoes, fill his businesses up again. Mm -hmm. And like, I saw him working like my whole childhood. Like, well, I didn't really see him because he was working. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I never, I always felt like, oh, like, why don't you just come and spend time with me? Why don't you just, you know, give some time for us? And he did his best, bless him. But that always reminds me of like, I could have, like, he could have just easily been shot when he was trying to escape from the country where he was. And, like, he wasn't. And there were times when he nearly was, and, like, grandparents or whatever. So it's just, like, one, the way I was thinking about it is, like, one decision different could have led to a completely different life. Yeah. I think when you, like, look at it like that, it's hard not to be just, like, fuck, all right, well, grateful, I guess. Yeah, I'm not a very grateful person by default. I'm trying to get better at it. Do you, how, I think you don't think gratitude, though. You feel gratitude, right? How much do you, like, feel yeah i think because i felt like i drew a really bad hand in the past year i kind of felt a lot of bitterness and resentment towards the world honestly yeah and that's probably like the first time i've said that whereas before i felt like i had what i deserved i was doing well because i worked my fucking ass off and then i felt like i just drew the short straw for like a year which in hindsight maybe was meant to happen or whatever but i definitely was like envious of my friends that, that didn't happen to yeah and i said that to them so i probably don't know if that's tarnished my view of like reality and being grateful for like normal shit because i felt like i should have been further ahead yeah but get there eventually does part of you like that perspective because it you know that it drives you to be better and more successful in a way like the fact that you do have that yeah i mean i think it's definitely better to feel like a small fish in a big pond like i said before than feel like you're winning everything because i don't know the people you hang around with aren't that ambitious or whatever so yeah, like if, if you feel like you're doing really well, I think you should probably go somewhere else if you are ambitious. You should, you should always feel like, I don't know, at least for me, like you have something to prove and that people to chase. I think yeah. that's better than, depends what you're trying to achieve, of course, but I think that's definitely better if you're trying to build a business and you're very ambitious and so on. Is you, you probably should try and normalize like the mad level of success, at, at least hang around with people that are actually doing it, not just like fronting or talking about it. I met a lot of like the guys who I associate myself with now who are like ahead of me through like courses, masterminds, that kind of mm. stuff. Do you do 
Are you in that kind of world? Do you need that kind of stuff for what you're doing? Did a Facebook ads course when I was like 21. It's the only yeah. course I ever bought. It's okay. pretty good. Ben well, Malol's like... course. He was like an OG. Who was the guy? Ben Malol. Oh, I remember that dude. I yeah. don't know if he's still around. I remember but... him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, he was like an Asian. Yeah, he was. Yeah, that just goes to show though, because like now yeah. I kind of laugh at that. But like when I knew nothing, that was incredibly valuable because he knew more than I did. And I actually bought his course as well. Actually, yeah, I, I don't remember it now, but it's probably did something. A little bit outdated, but yeah, it would be now <laughs> completely. So you bought one course, and did you meet anyone through that, or you just went to learn the knowledge? Just learned some shit. Yeah, other than that, like, just I used to be in like Facebook groups and so on. That's kind of how I met people originally before, like, went to events and so on. But other than that, I kind of just figured it out myself, to an and just like friends, yeah. and then just watch more. Other, generally, just friends, like, what are they working on? talking to them what's the secret to facebook ads in well i haven't run my own ads for like three years i spent millions on ads myself back in the day I used to be in the ad account like two hours a day i would say don't do it yourself get an agency and focus on creative how the fuck do you find a good agency i've worked <laughs> with seven and six of them are shit so it's very hard so experience is one thing um i think just with agencies broadly speaking try and make it performance incentivized otherwise they're just going to rinse you on a retainer oh, and don't give a fuck yeah um, most won't do that if you're a new brand to be honest because you don't have enough scale but yeah like it's difficult probably do it yourself so you have enough you have enough understanding with media buying which is what I did for years but then eventually you, you get to the point where you don't actually know enough and too time consuming and it would be like ROI negative to do it yourself so yeah that's probably what I'd say but agencies are tough there's so many agencies now as well because yeah. Iman's probably produced about a hundred thousand new agencies, and <laughs> yeah. some of them are probably great, but some of them are probably really shit as well. So, well, most of them just hire a contractor from Upwork. Yeah, exactly. That's not a legit anyway. agency. This is like some yeah. freelancer finessing people. Yeah, but everyone's got to make some money somehow. So, yeah. So, so what does the day to day look like? Is it just calls, meetings, or are you like? You well, know? in Bali, it's probably a bit different. I mean, genuinely, I try and do shit that needs to be done in the morning, like deep work or whatever which is like a become a buzzword now, but it is true. Like I don't eat breakfast, you know? Yeah. I often wonder. You're a real entrepreneur now. Now I know you're, you're legit. Like you don't eat breakfast. Yeah. Well, I don't know who anyone eats breakfast. <laughs> I don't know how people work eating breakfast, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Like, I've tried just having one, yeah. one meal a day as well, going super hard, but I find that a bit difficult. So yeah, generally I'll do shit that needs to be done in the morning. Try and focus on needle moving stuff. I probably still get stuck in like the day to day a bit too much. Less so than I used to, because I have like a team now and shit. They're actually good. Whereas in the past, it was not necessarily the best people working with me and like VAs and shit, a bit less skilled, shall we say. Um, but yeah, just a lot of calls and a lot of planning shit, I suppose. Yeah. I, I'm still way too stuck in like emails and stuff that I really need to get someone to like filter shit for me so I can just like do important stuff because yeah, it is true. You need to work on the business, not in the business. It's such a stereotype, but it's, it's true. And you know, what's actually moving the needle? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I can either spend two hours going through emails every day because I get so fucking many or I could spend half an hour or two hours hiring someone to, I don't know, maybe automate that or whatever it is. So I, I'm not very good at that to be honest. I'm not the most organized person. I'm not very good at systems, really shit at hiring typically. So I'm still trying to work it out. But yeah, I suppose now, particularly now I have investors and shit, I focus a lot on like reports and like what's actually happening. What can I do that's actually going to solve a problem for example rather than just spend more on ads which i've been struggling to do in like the past month particularly we've kind of hit a bottleneck because we're only running ads to the uk so now i'm like all right we need to localize fulfillment to, to europe so we can scale in germany for example instead of just 
focusing on the same thing it's like all right how can we scale horizontally a bit and think more logically and then trying to get into retail right now like holland and barrett for example whereas in the past i was always just d2c d2c like and amazon as well so i never used to do amazon trying to grab amazon a lot right now so just being more logical about things whereas in the past i'd maybe just chad scaled a bit and like one thing that was working i just double down on that but then you know that's, <laughs> that's not how you build a valuable business because you can't be so reliant on one channel and i think probably most people are including me right now like instagram website that's it pretty much what about tiktok i haven't made tiktok work so i've been tr i'm trying Tried to it. make that work um amazon starts to look good so we're going to launch an amazon germany america all that shit which in the past i would never have done because it was like too much admin i just want to go quick 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 but i've learned from the past you need to diversify you know just be a bit more logical about things and what's going to work long term rather than just trying to scale as quick as possible which i made the mistake of doing in 2020 so do you enjoy solving business problems like that does it make you actually feel good when you like solve that kind of problem like okay cool we're going to use this acquisition channel instead now versus like if you're creating yeah i mean something. there's literally always constant problems like i have this mad like fuck off unicorn spreadsheet i call it or some shit it's like the entire business in one spreadsheet and it's like all the numbers and then i have like a sheet which is like problems and then anything that's like a big problem is in there and it's in there until it's fixed do you know what i mean sometimes it's in there for two months but it's in there so i think funny thing i've realized i think a lot of people think they're working towards a point where they have all the money they need and then they just don't work like that's this that's like the the american dream or whatever you build a business sell it you get really rich and you sit on the beach but i honestly reckon if you put most people in that position after about a week they'd be so bored and speaking to Jimmy, who's very wealthy, the guy I mentioned before, um, and he won't mind me saying this, like he sold the business, he's still working on it, but he's fucking really bored. He has all the money in the world. He wants something else to work on now. So yeah. It's a nice problem to have, of course, compared to 99.9% of people, but it's like, fuck, you actually... So then it's like, he says to me, like, what would you do? And I'm thinking, well, it's an interesting thought experiment for me because I'm not there. I would like to be in that position. But then it comes back to, well you're going to want to work on something anyway. So actually, even if stuff feels hard or not necessarily fun all the time, because it's never going to be fun all the time, nor should it be, because it wouldn't, then by definition, it wouldn't be fun if nothing was boring or bad. But like you get a lot of satisfaction out of working on something. Even if you think you'd want to retire and sit on the beach, you wouldn't. You'd want to do the next thing. You might just have different worries that aren't monetary or whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, that's something I'd, think about because often i think oh this is hard and this is fucking stressful or whatever but that's what we're built for you have to work on something like you said before like especially as a man i think you want to conquer shit like even if it's a small task you gotta have some project to work on otherwise you just get bored i mean i know i would I, f I fucking hate sitting down watching tv i mean granted not all the time like if i'm watching some cozy movie with some beautiful girl or whatever that's a bit different but that doesn't happen all the time so yeah, I, I think quite an interesting way to look at what you work on is like, if you, if you had all the money in the world, what would you work on? Then you should probably work on that now and you might end up with a lot of money actually because you'd be passionate about it. That's kind of how I feel about this brand. Yeah. If I was a billionaire, I'd probably still work on this and probably do the pod. What else would you do if you were a billionaire right now? Buy a 20,000 square foot house with an underground garage and put like a fucking pink Bugatti Chiron in there. Something like that. But other than that, probably, probably not much would be different. I'd just buy some silly cars again. You think you'd be happier? maybe not maybe i'd be less stressed about certain things but plus knowing until you're there right 
it's like yeah. everyone, everyone says like money can't buy happiness but it's like well, until you've gone through that you kind of need to experience it and i actually disagree with that statement anyway i think it does actually buy a degree of happiness i think it I removes think, certain stresses i think that is happiness i think yeah. happiness is the absence of unhappiness to be honest yeah interesting that's very buddha is it i don't yeah, know he sounds very zen he's my i, I copied it from him so mm. nah, i'm joking i don't know all right cool um how how into conspiracy theories and stuff are you I'm going to guess not very much. Well, I like a lot of that shit. I love, okay. I think most conspiracy theories are probably true. Yeah, conspiracy facts. I just basically, yeah. if, if the masses think it, I genuinely don't. Did you see what Elon said when he overtook Twitter? No, what he, he I might have seen it. What well, I don't, I'm not even on Twitter, so you should know this. He, he basically tweeted, and he, actually, no, it was in an interview. He said, most of the conspiracy, well, he said, all of the conspiracy theories about Twitter turned out to be true. And really? he just said it in a flippant comment in yeah. the conversation. But when you think about how Probably mad, how mad, well, he fucking said it was, and he's the one managing the company, so it's like, yeah, it's I mean, eh? I think the more it's funny because like my twin brother is the exact opposite to me. We're not we're non-identical, but he views the world opposite to me in every way. COVID's a great example, and that's a very controversial one. Videos seem to go move <laughs> like disappearing off the internet <laughs> yeah, and, COVID. and people sometimes. Yeah, but like we completely viewed everything differently on that, and that was obviously a big one that had a lot of conspiracy theories. Um, there's loads of things, isn't there? But yeah, I've watched some weird documentaries in what? my time. Did any of them have the name World, the name Cabal in them? By any chance? The what? The, the, the Probably not. I don't know. Right. Unless that's a code word. All right. Yeah, maybe it is. You have to tell me after. Uh, we'll have to, yeah, have to be careful. What we say on uh, YouTube. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, so a little bit, but don't go down the crazy rabbit hole. Yeah, I just think like I mean, obviously Andrew Tate speaks about a lot of this shit, and I think most a lot of what he says is true. Yeah, um, like a lot of them are uncomfortable truths. You know, I don't necessarily think like the government wants the best for a lot of people, and it like I think it, I don't know, like I think you have to think for yourself, and it's a surprising amount of people seem to just literally believe whatever the news says, which I find wild. Um, and then you're the conspiracy theorists if you don't, which yeah. is funny, but. A lot of things have turned out to be true that a lot of people said were, were lies over the past few years, you know, about certain diseases and so on. Um, so, yeah, I think, a lot, I think, funnily enough, I think a lot of entrepreneurs generally think the same about yeah. conspiracy theories, the way they view the world, whatever, which tends to be different to how maybe most people view things. And that's obviously a correlation there, and it makes a lot of sense because they view everything differently. That's why they tend to think for themselves and do their own thing. And Yeah. Like everyone I look up to thinks the same about a lot of things, whereas people that I know and maybe have gone down a different path tend to think the opposite to me and these other people. And probably like a lot of people, I feel like everyone in, that's come from like the UK to Bali probably thinks similarly about the world. Yeah, that's why they're not. That's why they refuse to be in some office nine to five in Stoke or whatever it is. <laughs> Again, not that there's anything wrong with that, but people tend to think a certain way, don't they? You know, it's funny, like I did uh, a year of work before going to uni. So I worked like in corporate sales jobs, recruitment in London, that kind of stuff, right? Mm. And I was like, okay, this is 100% not the life I want to live. Went to uni, started businesses, et cetera, et cetera, right? To not do the nine to five. Went full circle, ran the business for seven years, scaled it to like really good amount, lived the lifestyle of my dreams, come to Bali, living the quote unquote nomadic life. And yeah. what I do now is work in my office from Monday to That's Friday. And then I have weekends and go travel and do crazy shit. Like that is literally what I've gone the whole circle and come back to the yeah. same thing. I, I've, so. I've experienced that. That's the <laughs> irony. You end up 
wanting to have an element of routine. I guess you just do it in a nicer place. Well, it's choice as well, right? Like I could choose not to work today. Yeah, but I want to work tonight. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do. I do actually wake up excited to like do stuff. Like I actually look forward to not all the time, but like mm. a lot of the time, if I had the choice of doing this or partying, I would actually rather do that most yeah. of the time. Yeah, same. I think that to me is like the barometer for like happiness. I think if you're just doing shit you want to do, or at least like you know gives mm. you some kind of actual fulfillment, which isn't like this jumpy up and down thing I found a lot of the time. Like those big moments, you know, it's like for me, it'd be like signing a big client for you. It'd be like, I don't know, hitting a, like a revenue mark or a new channel and it's like a win. Mm. Like, I feel like those moments are actually, they're not really like the best bit, to be honest. They're kind of like little milestones, like little milestones yeah. along the way. Yeah, it's I fun, agree. Isn't it? All those things we like look up to and like chase. Yeah, I, one, I found that most things in life are never quite as good or bad as they seem, which maybe like really sullen. Is that the right word? But like, yeah, like generally things are not as dramatic as they seem, which I often don't like, which is why I like to make things really romantic and shit, because I'm kind of chasing that all or nothingness when actually the answer is probably somewhere in between. Do you know what I mean? Like you have this vision of like a certain trip being magical or whatever, but then it fucking rains half of it and that's just life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Not in like a miserable way, but but also the flip side of that is things that you think are terrible and like oh this is gonna fucking ruin my life whatever. Usually it passes and it's fine. Yeah, I th I think I've what I've noticed is as I've released the need or expectation for things to happen, my life's just been better in all parameters, in terms of like results, business, dating. Like doesn't mean like mm. not caring. It just means going towards it, but like actually being detached from it. Yeah, that was a big one because I used to be super attached. Like, I need to hit this goal. Like, this has to happen. I need to do this. Yeah, I read some book by Anthony DeMello. It's like some fucking philosophy book called The Way to Love or some bullshit. I was reading <laughs> loads of Stoicism recently, and then I read that, and it was all about like attachments, basically being the single cause of unhappiness in the world. And I was like, wow. There's like some very strong quotes in it. I can't even remember did, that. Did it talk about like attachment styles? So you've got like in a relationship, you've got like yeah, it was kind of like or... about relationships, but also just like goals and shit and I, i've definitely found myself maybe attaching myself to an outcome a lot or like what i think is going to happen with a certain person or a certain place basically just expectations about anything usually just equals dis what can equal disappointment well, if, which if, i don't know if, it's like is, is, but then is it about is it a good thing to not be attached to anything i don't know maybe i think i think this i've like really gone down this path right yeah. so i think I don't think I have the answer, but I think I've had some good, like, I've, I've lived a long enough having, like, no attachment or goal where I've just been, like, fucking mm. a leaf in the wind. And it was good in the sense that I could learn to not need business and that kind of stuff, but terrible for, like, just moving forward in life, being a man growing, etc. Mm. And I've also lived a very, like, 3D, just focusing on the physical, just moving forward one percent every day which is which got me forward but i also didn't necessarily feel the best and so what i found is like having that structure is a really good thing particularly as a man but then also basically like the one thing i get you know how people will reflect things to you and like a lot of people will say like something about you like what's something people say about you like a lot when they like meet you or speak to you online there must be things well one thing i've noticed girls say to me it's really weird is that I seem bored. And I'm, it's happened like three times in the past three months. Yeah. One was like on a date, I never saw her again. One was like 
someone else, whatever. And I found that quite surprising because I always feel like I'm fucking loud and shit. But maybe I just wasn't interested in my head was elsewhere. Yeah. So do you think I think there's two reasons why. One could it be one could be because you are actually attached in a situation where you're just like cool either way, or it could be maybe you're not there, like presently. Oh it yeah, could be somewhere else. Depends, right? What do you think? Yeah, I, I used to be like this with my ex girlfriend. She'd always say I wasn't fucking nice. I was thinking about some shit. I'm I'm not very present at all ever. Like even now, I'm probably thinking about where I'm going next. Which I which is something else I need to work on. Yeah. I'm always thinking about the future or the past, probably mainly the future. Yeah. But then, then, like, the future isn't a thing, do you know what I mean? It's, like, just now. And then how much? Do you feel, like, anxiety a lot? I wouldn't say I do, generally. I've had bouts of it. Yeah. I feel like the sun and ice baths usually fixes that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I went to the hospital, like, a month ago, so I thought I was having a fucking heart attack. And they were like, no, your heart's fine. You're just, like, just anxious. I was like, oh, shit, maybe. Because I just hadn't felt like that in years. It was like a week of like feeling like my heart rate was just fucked, but it's largely just in my head, or at least it wasn't anything to worry about. But then when you realise it's nothing to worry about, it usually goes. I was getting like mad health anxiety because like one thing I felt ill for a while, then I was like fuck, my heart's all weird. But it's probably just in my head. Yeah, well it definitely was. So much of it is just down to belief, but anxiety is just focusing on the future. That's why. Yeah, exactly. And depression's the past. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, very true. Where are you going next? What today? Yeah. Probably to the fucking gym. Can't go a day without that. You go every day? Yeah, pretty much. Like very rarely would I take more than one day off. What what, what have you found is like the best training style for you after doing like... Well, I lost like two stone last year and got in like the best shape of my life. And I'd probably say like, especially given I was running a lot, I reckon I had a better physique than most like fitness coaches and shit. Especially in summer last year, I was like, absolutely shredded. And it was like completely natural or whatever. People accused me of like taking testosterone and shit. I was like, nah. I was just doing a lot of calisthenics. Like I stopped doing like weights and started doing more functional shit. So like pull-ups, press-ups, squats, all that shit. And then a fuckload of running. Combination like slow stuff and like sprints and so on. And I never thought of myself as a runner, funnily enough. Even though I spent years being a rower. And I guess there's probably cardio elements that transfer over. But yeah, now I've just found myself like way quicker than I ever thought I was. And I did that mad marathon. And, and yeah, that's like tends to be a combination for me. I don't like, I'm, it's mad that I did like three years of like no cardio pretty much. I just like was going to the gym and lifting weights, but it was so aimless. So I like now having a target of like a marathon or whatever. Cause I also told myself I'd never do another marathon after the, after the first one. Two weeks later, I was like, fuck, I want to do another one. It's like that David Goggins. That's the tattoo thing as well, mate, when you get one. Yeah, yeah I was like, I want to go one more now. Yeah. Then you realize like, because like doing that, I did like the sub three marathon. I did like seven minutes clear, like two fifty two, fifty nine. And so I put on Twitter, I was gonna give a thousand pounds to charity for every minute I went over. Because sub three marathon is like the pinnacle. People say it's like elite if you can do that. And I've never even run a marathon, and I'm like eighty eight kilo, so I'm not a runner's build. But I know people that are like seventy kilo that can't do that. And so I was like, fuck, I'm gonna put this ridiculous goal out there. I did train a fuckload. I was doing like twelve hours a week of running, like it's a lot. But. Now I'm like, all right, now I've proven. It's, it's the similar thing with like entrepreneurship. Experience breeds confidence. Now I'm like, all right, I know I'm a good runner now, factually. At least I can train to be one. So now I've got to go one more. And then you realize it's, it's like the same thing with work. You have that little moment of, oh, I've done it. Yeah, the little dopamine here. Everyone tells me how amazing it was. But then it's gone. You've got to do the next thing. So then you realize that the process of training it, training for it is probably the enjoyable part because, you know, the race or whatever. It, and running is, I like running because it's away from a screen and it's a much more, Whereas like in business, there's so many external factors, whereas running, just me, granted the weather or whatever, but I either trained or I didn't. 
There's no hiding away from that. Whereas, you know, a biz building a business could take five, ten years. Whereas running a race, it's like I'll train for four months and run it. I was either trained enough or I didn't. And I quite like the rawness of that. I think that's why you'd like Muay Thai, mate. Because you either got punched in the face or you didn't. It's one versus, it's, it's yeah. just, just one versus another. I've heard a lot about this. I'm about to try it. I think, I think it's like the ultimate high. I like runner's high as well. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Let me, I'll ask you a couple more and I'll let you get to, I'm actually training as well. So Where are you training? Like to, where am I training? I, I actually even train at Body Factory or Ball. Oh yeah. yeah, Body Factory's like this feels a bit like influencer factory. That's the only reason I don't train it all the so time. So busy it's, as well. Fucking it's hell. busy. If I want to do, a I like the ice baths and shit though. I like. Oh, being the, the have you I like done that the same two place. degree one, the little one? I did that once. That's that actually too cold. Fucker. I did like th I do three minutes in the mid in like the normal cold one. Yeah. And then yeah. like fifteen in the sauna. I do that twice. Yeah. I get pretty dizzy from that. To be fair. But it's good. My like uh, it. my workspace has a sauna and an ice bath. So midday I'll just bounce. Yeah, because there's there's none of those in the UK. Like I have a sauna in my building to below my flat let's go straight down to it but they don't have ice baths and it's like fuck's sake you're missing half of it yeah ice baths the best part 100 you actually feel the difference they need to, someone needs to make like a body factory equivalent in london they would print cash because yeah. it's well, so niche ice baths bro, body factory charges i think it's like a couple hundred it's bucks ridiculous a month. that's more than it's like what 200 I, quid for two weeks yeah that's what i pay, i paid more less than that in the uk yeah way less <laughs> for central london gym which is why and it's not know, even, it's not even that good to be honest no it's it, not it's not even that good so it's like, not that good yeah it's like whoever gym, owns that it's printing yeah yeah well they've it's just, just like, it's like i saw you coming i know but, you'll pay but it's like my mate met naval in there you met naval met naval i know like i think he met Iman in there as well the nelk boys so like any, oh, yeah, anyone yeah, who's like coming through boys. all trains there. So it's like, if you're here for a couple of weeks, you may as well go because yeah. you're probably going to meet someone. And there's some nice girls in that sauna. I'll introduce you to uh, my friend Jade who works there. She's a personal trainer there. She's actually got a couple hundred K on Instagram, so I'll introduce you to her. She'll be a good. Well, I could never marry an influencer girl, but I can certainly say hello to one can, you can say it. You can say it. You can be nice. Oh yeah, health. I think health is uh, a thing. I think it's as you get more successful you start to think about health because you realize you're finite and yeah what um what if, do you have like i'm really be really big on to health like mostly eastern stuff but like what are your like do you think about health much do you do any like yeah I mean, things? i've always trained a lot so i spent like eight years as a row when i was younger and like i went through like a semi like, i look back now and say i was fat but i was never fat i was still going to the gym and shit but yeah like the, the running's a big part for me now I, I like I like the idea of being in like functional shape. So like I could actually, I don't know, run away from a fucking lion or some shit. Not that's ever going to happen. But yeah, like I probably, I feel like I eat cleaner back home to be honest than when I'm out here. Like I try not to drink much generally when I've been out here. It's kind of different because <laughs> there's been a lot of strategic sense, shall we say, and more potential distractions. But I feel like drinking in the sun is never as bad because you recover from any hangover very quick. Um, so yeah, I guess I like microdosing now and then if I can. Um, I take my own products every day. I take like athletic greens and shit. I, I like that as a brand. I haven't had that out here, but it'd be all right. Enough vitamin D from the sun. Um, but yeah, pretty much just train like every day, eat clean, do a lot of sauna stuff. Ice baths I like doing, but I don't have them back home. So that's a real faff. Maybe I'd have to move here just for that. Wait, you should come. But I, I genuinely feel like fasting running ice bath sun and sauna and no drinking 
Yeah. It's like a beautiful combination. I Do think, that. I think sleep. I think sleep is so yeah. important as well, bro. It, it is. Yeah. I'm so fucking st- grumpy. People speak about that more and more now. So I'm releasing Dream Dust like next week, which is the next is that product. sleep product. Yeah. Oh, fuck, I'll buy it. Yeah, so it's the opposite of Rainbow Dust. That's the idea. Can you give me an affiliate code or not? Yeah, it's good shit. I will. First influencer, first podcast sponsor. I'll uh, I'll promote it. I've actually used you. I've actually used it and had a good time with it. So I think that's what you want to know, people. I like how Stephen did it on um, the CEO. He liked, you know, those legit kind of relationships. All right. Have I got anything else? I feel like I've. Oh, you haven't haven't watched Ready Player One. I wrote that down. Nah, I've heard of it. You need to go and watch that. You'll love it. Um,. Oh yeah, one thing I wanted to ask you, obviously you've become fucking mastered like growing, <laughs> I don't know if I haven't talked about business very much, which is like what you're, right. <laughs> which is what you're known for. Um, like growing, a lot of people start uh, in e-com, mostly in dropshipping, and the vast majority of them fail, right? Or like don't, mm. don't scale. Like what do you think was the main things that made you successful at it versus a lot of other people who haven't been successful? I think in summary, such a broad point but people on like on the internet youtube instagram whatever they only ever talk about marketing and by marketing they they really mean like facebook ads it's all like the community speaks about no one talks about product ever when it's basically it's the only thing that matters because you can't you, you can out you can out market a shit product for a month but then you know i've, I've had it in the past the product's not but for example when i launched my jewelry brand i had to go back three months and restart everything because our supplier fucked us over on the quality and i had to refund like three thousand orders in the first month Went back to the drawing board, made the product better, launched, and it was way better. It was successful. And even now, like I spent five months developing the product, and no one speaks about products. It's not glamorous. It takes sometimes a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of skill to make a good one. Especially dropshippers. They don't give a fuck about the product. They're just trying to basically make as much money as they can without being called a fraud. <laughs> That's pretty much the model. Like, don't get chargebacks. Kind of deliver on the product. But when you make your own product, it's different, of course. And... I just think that's the main thing, branding and products. Like, what is the actual thing that you're selling? And I've got better at that over time. I was not that good at it to begin with, and no one is. But I think that, in a nutshell, is the only way to really scale, especially past a certain point. Because, like I said, you can you can outmarket something shit for a while, but then the reviews are bad. People don't come back. Like, our repeat customer rate in like the past month is like seventy percent. So it's mad um which is probably not good actually because it means we're not acquiring enough new customers but that's another issue because <laughs> we had no stock and so on but i, I would honestly so say that like look at any product. massively successful brand not like little drop shipping bullshit like athletic greens gymshark apple obviously people are obsessed with the product and ultimately where you make money really is people coming back because once you've acquired a customer if they only buy once it's very hard to be profitable first order unless you've got like a neon sign that's 300 quid which was that model was great for that problem with that was the quality was not quite good enough because and it, the shipping time was long and the experience wasn't great. But if people come back, and that's why I'm focused on subscriptions, because you want people to ultimately get like ethically addicted to the product. It's kind of how I do it. And just really like it and want to give you money. Because think about the brands you buy from repeatedly because you fucking like the product. Like Athletic Greens, I spent 80 quid a month on some green powder. Because for me it works, or at least I believe it works. And it's there on time. And my LTV must be mad. And that's how you make a, a big business ultimately. But no one's talk, talking about that because it's not easy and it's not glamorous, whereas I spent a million pound on Facebook ads, gets clicks. No one wants to sit and work on a product for five months and go through samples, supply chain, all that. And also because most people drop shipping are just borderline frauds anyway. That's just the truth. Like no shift, all this shit. So yeah, build a good product and people will come back. And then marketing should be the easy part. 
you know, I That's used to, I, my biggest fear when I was running my agency at the beginning was like, oh shit, like if this result isn't good and the client's not going to like it and then people are going to say bad stuff about mm. me slash the business. And that happened a couple of times. Yeah, it does happen. Even had, for me. I had clients who like left bad Google reviews and that literally mm. like shook me to my soul. Yeah. Like I was literally like a mess from a couple of clients saying bad things. And then we launched our January ads and I hadn't monitored them for like five days. So there was like, you know x amount of people saw them booked whatever and one of the one comment was from this agent we work with a state agents in the uk he said what references do you have like to prove this service actually works because we were making a bold claim mm. and this was days ago and like literally my body went fuck here we go what, what are we gonna see and it was literally a this long of a response i posted on my stories of an ex-client saying how fucking great his uh, oh, that's good. how great it was and not working with us anymore he said yeah. here's the results i got Here's what the experience was like. I'm still making money from it to this day from a year ago working with them. Mm. And that was the moment I realized, oh shit. Because that was when I started focusing on the service, right? It's, yeah. It's the equivalent. And I realized that is it. If you, and that's what we're doubling down on. Just making it to the point where it's like there is no one else to compare it to because it's just different. Yeah. And I think that. And that's also what's exciting. That's what's giving me the passion back as well. So I think like for anyone listening, it's like if you just focus on that innovation that is like also i've worked with so many agencies and freelancers and it's shocking to me even to this day that don't realize the value in over delivering because i'll come back i've worked with yeah. this person there's a video editor i worked with like two weeks ago and i'm currently in like a dispute between us because i think he delivered absolute shit to the point where i can't use it and i'm like i'm not paying you i've already paid him 50 percent up front which for me feels like a scam and he's saying oh, i need to be yeah, whatever and i'm just thinking if he just over delivered i'd have worked with him for the next three years yeah. does he not see that it's wild and I, like it just, I just don't get it. So anyone listening that runs an agency, just be fucking good at your job. It's the only way to win. People just look past that. They want short-term profit, profit, profit. New client, new client, or you know, be dropshippers, new customer, new customer. Instead of people coming back. So I mean, my the brand's not perfect now. We get bad trust pilot reviews, whatever. But like, it's way better than shit I've done in the past. I'm so much more aware of it. Yeah. And it's a constant feedback loop. And I think as well, like it's never going to be perfect. But just listen to customers or clients, whatever it is. And that's the most useful feedback. Like people said that they, they thought it was too sweet. So we changed one of the sweeteners. Now it's different. That took six months to do because the fucking supply chain is long. But it's never going to be perfect. But just try and make it as good as it can be and make it better progressively. Yeah. And it's just wild to me that people don't think being good at their job is relevant anymore. But that's the culture. We well, this is this entitlement, right? Because they come in through a course or watching someone on YouTube. It's yeah. like, this is how you make the money. So it's like, well, these are the things I need to do to get the money. That's, yeah. that's the actual. on the actual job. Well, that, the, the intention is just to make money, right? Mm. It's not actually to like do something good or do something innovative. And you make crazy. more money long term anyway by being better. The problem used to be when people would start a business, it's like, okay, well, I have this idea. I'm going to build this app. That used to be the problem. And it was like, no, just focus on. Now it's switched to just focus on like someone's problem and solve mm. that. But the problem is it's gone now too far to that direction where it's like, okay, we're focusing on who's got the problem. But the solving, <laughs> the actual yeah. Solving bit isn't there. So what I, I get tons of guys like starter out guys, as I'm sure you do, you reach out and they're like, what should I do trying to get my first client? Probably what should I do trying to launch my first store, whatever. And I'm like, literally just message people off like who you actually like, offer to work for them for exactly. free. Be honest about where you are. Say, look, I'm not an expert, but I'll just do this for free if you like working with me. Yeah. Maybe we'll sort something out. No, no, Guy that does no all my customer service that. now yeah. was a podcast viewer and he worked for free for a month because he wanted to work with me and now he's full time. And he's really fucking good because he just impressed me so much. Yep. People aren't willing to do that. They Listen. think that everyone started with loads of money and shit. Listen, literally. I didn't get paid for like three years from e-commerce because it wasn't very good. 
then you get better. So, see, we just got to go through it. Yeah, I'm going to have to put this bit at the start of the pod because I feel like that's like the most valuable fucking bit yeah, people probably. listen to. Yeah. That's what it is though, right? It's just doing the things that most people aren't willing to do. That's what makes you successful. Just look at what everyone else is doing. Just do the opposite and think of that. It will probably lead you to a good path. Yeah. Because exactly. reason why. Anyway, one more question and we'll, we'll wrap up. Right, we're going to fast forward all the way to the end of your life. It's your last day on planet Earth. You've achieved all the things you've wanted. Space goods to the moon, probably X number of other companies, got a beautiful mm. family, people care about your friends, you've gone to space, whatever you've wanted to do. You're a billionaire. Yeah. Can't leave behind any of that shit though to the people you love and care about. But you can leave them with some words, some advice, some wisdom. What would you tell them? Very dramatic, but something I put as the fucking like slogan of the brand, I think nothing exists until you create it. Which I think is like so cheesy but that's the way i viewed everything and it made perfect sense with this and i'm pretty good with slogans so, so i like that one so nothing exists until you create it and it's like just that. i think the general vibe is literally everything ever was created by someone just like you everything whether that's a relationship a thing a product even a fucking building like even countries were effectively created by people that just went to a piece of land and <laughs> made this thing so that's probably what i'd say and I try and remind myself of that every day, whether it's like just create shit. That's the way I try and the way I'm trying to live. So that was that's quite a dramatic ending, wasn't it? Because it's on it's on my fucking phone. Ah, case. It shows what you're doing is like real. There's so know? many things I could say, but I think that's like a a nice summary one. Right. Um YouTube, Instagram, where's the best place for people to find you? Yeah, the Midnight Pod, probably on YouTube and all my Twitter and Instagram. We'll put in the bio and so on. But <laughs> He's yeah. linking himself in the bio. Like, yeah. I actually did a podcast yesterday and the guy, he was like, like a just business guy. He literally like took the mic and was like, right, so it's been a great, he like signed himself he finished, off. Finished it I was you. like, that was, I had to give him a round of applause. So yeah. if you want, if you want to say goodbye, that can be, may be the new thing and sign us out. Subscribe to the pod as always. Cheers for watching. That's what I say at the end of mine. <laughs> and then I, I pushed the mic away, but I can't do it here. Um, now, nah, been a pleasure as always. Sweet. Cheers. Cheers